I'm Vinny. And I'm Drake. And welcome to Backstage Biddies, a podcast where two theater nerds discuss our love, and sometimes hate, of movie musicals. From Golden Age, to Disney, to Contemporary, we'll recap and review all things movie musical. Join us as we scrutinize Hollywood casting, dive into the history of all your faves, and gossip about controversies of the stage and screen. Press play and sing along, because this this is Backstage Biddies. Hello, my one true love. Hi. It's so good to see you again. It's been a minute since we sat down to record. Yeah, on the back half of this. I know. You guys are never the wiser. I know. Time travel is real, so you guys don't know it, but it's been a minute since we've recorded. So how are you? Uh, good. Tired. Well. Tired. Luckily, uh, dear beloved husband Ross got us coffee this morning. Thank God. I know. We both ran out of, like, <laughs> I ran out of coffee creamer, and then I got a message from you being like, hey, we're going to go for a coffee run. Do you want something? And I about died. <laughs> I was like, this is the best news of my whole life. Leave it to Show Ross. up here, and then you were also out of coffee creamer. We are. We just, it's the end of the month, you know. We're running out of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you do that thing where like you have to get really creative with meals when you start running out of food? I just don't. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's fine I'll too. Whatever gets like, you through the day. Eat some canned fruit. Yeah, yeah. I, I start getting really creative with my meals at this time of the month. Where it's like, what can I jam into a sandwich that is normal and edible? It's normal enough. Yeah. Oh, I got so mad the other day. I made, because I had, um, I was like, oh, I'll make a sandwich. Like, of course. With kato salami. Ooh. I've loved kata salami my whole life, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'll do that and some pickle and it'll be great. And I was like, what should I eat with this? Because one sandwich does not enough for a meal make. Yeah, you got to have like a handful of chips or like some, some fruit, some nuts, something some, else on something, the side. And I had nothing. So oh, no. I made a second sandwich. <laughs> I, I used like, to do that. Well, no, I used to do that all the time. I would, make a, I would make a whole sandwich and then you'd make a half a sandwich to go with the sandwich. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then I, midway through, I got the ick. <gasps> That's terrible news. I was like, so, and I said, no, you're not thinking about it. You're not thinking about it. You're just going to keep eating. Oh, you ha- that's you have so to rough. eat this because you haven't eaten all day and you yeah, need to Yeah, so you to have put- to force yourself through it because you're like, you need the sustenance, but you don't want to eat it. You calories in your body for your body to do things. Yeah. And I was like, all but of a sudden my brain was like, huh? any huh? calorie but this like, one. <laughs> yeah. And I was I've so upset. There. I've never had that happen with salami before in my life. And I yeah. was like, this better not be ruined. <laughs> I'll be so distraught. Maybe you just need like a salami tolerance break, you know? I haven't had it in a long time. Well, maybe something changed about it. Oh, maybe. I don't know. You know, over the last like administration and a half, they keep rolling back FDA things, so like some food things are changing now. Oh God, maybe that. Oh, oh. So we have to renegotiate what our favorite brands are. It's been a rough ride, but especially for the poor folk. <laughs> um, speaking of food and odd uh, synchronicities, I was putting cream cheese on a bagel the other day. Yeah. And I was trying to manage what the verb would be for that action, and I said frosting a bagel. 
but that's not correct. So what what do you do you have a verb that you use for for the action of putting cream cheese on a bagel? So you were saying things and I was like, "Yeah, you creamed it." <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I did not cream my bagel. No, I did not. I was like, "Um um Now, our friends No, we that's not what happened. That's not at all what we did. You spread a bagel. You well, what is the bagel. What did uh, Andy chimed in? I had tweeted Schmeared? about this. Andy had said, Andy said spreading. And I said, I don't, I think saying the phrase spreading my bagel also sounds inappropriate. <laughs> it sounds better than cream your bagel. <laughs> <laughs> and then what did he say? He said, oh, he said topping your bagel. And I said, that's this not it. This isn't getting better. <laughs> um, or is it? <laughs> Uh, schmeared, I think, is the only safe one. Schmearing your bagel? Yeah. I mean, that's that's what seems the most appropriate to me. It's the only thing that I is not topped, <laughs> spread, or creamed. Creaming my bagel. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, it's... Yeah, frosting was the least suggestive <laughs> one that I came up with, but I was like, I don't want to say that I'm frosting my bagel. That sounds no, dumb. Well, no, because then it sounds like you're putting, like... Fro- like cake well, frosting exactly, because I think frosting is like kind of like, like frosting uh, cake. Yeah, it's like dependent on the on the material that you're using, I right? Think so. Like it's very specific. Yeah. So frosting didn't because seem like you, the right word. Because if you're glazing something, like if you're glazing a bagel, <laughs> you're glazing a bagel, you're not gonna say you're frosting it. You're gonna say you're glazing it. Why is all of this just so? Oh awful? man! I think smeared. Smeared is Schmeer. your safest bet. Smearing my bagel. Smear. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think that's the only safe one. I think we've covered. We've covered all the unsafe I, ones, that's for sure. I feel like there's got to be someone listening to this just shouting. Shouting a word like, at the radio. What about this, guys? Hey, if you guys have a not sexually explicit verb for adding cream cheese to your bagel, uh, sound off in the comments. Tweet us or I mean, you could say cream cheesing or... your bagel, but I don't <laughs> like that either. I will not be cream cheesing my bagel, no. Mm. Mm. That's mm. so many syllables. I know. Nah. No. We're going to stick with schmearing. It also feels culturally appropriate. Yeah. Right? Because bagels are like an inherently Jewish food. Yeah. Schmearing feels like a... Schmearing. I think that's not... why everything else doesn't fit. Because yeah, we're maybe. trying to apply rules of a different perhaps, language to, or things to that. Yeah. Schmearing. Schmearing it is. Unless somebody else has something better. The council has spoken. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the hint for today, babe? Oh my God. The hint today is A Midsummer Night's Dream. By Billy Shakes. Yeah. 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 Our main man, Bill. Bill. (laughs) Billiam Shakespeare. That's the guy. Yeah. That's him. Well, what's the the hint lead us to? So that leads us to the 2008 film, Were the World Mine? Now, this is the first in our installation of queer movies for the month of June. Oh my God, it's Pride Month. Happy Pride, you homos. Yay. Um, This is a gay, gay, gay film. I, you know, I've watched a good number of our films for this month, and they are pretty (laughs) gay, 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 gay. Yeah, I feel like last year we did a lot of, like culturally gay films culturally gay films uh family this month is not family friendly no this this month is very like 
I feel like well, we. No. I feel like we're watching a lot of like coming of age films. Have you a noticed that of, about everything we've got rounded up? Uh, coming of age and coming all over the place, frankly. Well, that is true. Uh, there's, there's just a lot of come in every there's corner. There's a lot of everything <laughs> everywhere. So, <clears throat> well, that is accurate. Yes. Sorry, mom, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, lo siento. Uh, but yeah, this film was very interesting. Um, so it's William Shakespeare because it's where the world mine is a reference to a line from A Midsummer Night's Dream. Yes. Uh, and this is loosely based on the events and the text of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Yep. So do you want to cover A Midsummer Night's Dream? Do you have what do you have for me? I have notes on A Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh my god. Say it one more time. A Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> Why are you asking me this? Because say- we said it like seven times in those sentences. Anywho, here's a little bit about Midsummer Night's Dream. So it is one of Shakespeare's magic plays. Uh, it includes the likes of like The Tempest is also a magic play. And then there's a lot of debate about a bunch of other ones because uh, like is the Scottish play magic because it has witches in it? Is Hamlet a magic play because it's got a ghost in it? I don't know. Kind Doesn't of up Hamlet for debate. have witches in it too? Uh... Maybe? I don't think it does. It might. I don't know. I've is Ophelia a witch? I don't, I don't know. know. She's, she's, isn't she like an oracle or a prophet or something at some point? Who knows? Um, but yes, so there's a lot of... those. The Tempest and A Midsummer Night's Dream are like clearly magic plays, where like magic is crucial to the plot. Like, uh, uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the guy's name from The Tempest. Uh, it's like a weather-related name. Oh, that's going to annoy me. He's a wizard. Mm. So it's like... Lightning thunderbolt. <laughs> yeah, it's very, like, magic forward. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of other ones where, like, magic is alluded to or, like, vaguely mentioned or, like, paranormal things happen. So people are like, it's magic. But, like, is it? Mm. Debatable. Mm. Uh, this play is from either 1595 or 1596, just depending on where you locate the text and, like, what portfolio it's in. Just kind of depends. Um, it was a very polarizing work. Um, there was lots of debate between uh, Shakespeare's contemporaries as well as critics shortly after him on whether he should be using magic whether it was acceptable for him to write about things that couldn't happen or didn't exist. Which is comical to me because... I agree. What is the arts except to explore... I agree so that deeply. Exact, you know. But at the time... Which I get. I mean, that was like hundreds yeah, they of were, years ago. And but they it's were, just funny to me now, here Yeah, in, in retrospect, yeah. of course. But of course, there were all kinds of, of rules about playwriting at the time, like the French unities and like... There were, there were all of these... Uh, guidelines that you had to follow. Yep. And people debated hotly on this one whether he was following them appropriately or not, or if it was good or not. Um, one of the big debates was whether or not the Athenian lovers should be as prominent in the play as they are, because they outshined like the noble people, like the their superiors in class in the play, and that was like a big deal to people. People were mad about it. Gooped and ganked. Um, in the following centuries, it was often used to justify different biases. Like, um, classism was often brought into it again about, like, the Athenian lovers, or, like, there were other ones. I didn't write them down, unfortunately. <laughs> 
but like people people examine this through different biases over time as those biases become like cultural uh talking points one of the hot points when it's directed like when you produce the play is whether or not it is a dream and like when it becomes a dream Mm. like should it be a dream from the very beginning of the play does it become a dream somewhere in the middle um is it only a dream in like the last couple of minutes when they like resolve everything like where where is the dream when does it begin when does it end it's like a huge debate amongst people as it's produced um one of shakespeare's critics in the i think it was the 19th century rw dent described the play as uh the offspring of imagination and not reason the love story was like the offspring of imagination which I found particularly relevant to this particular adaptation, Where the World Mine. And we'll talk about it more as we as we get into it. But this one really takes its own tack and kind of runs in the direction of imagination uh, in a sort of very Xanadu-esque kind of way. Most recently, 20th century critics uh, seem to want to examine it through the lens of marriage. So a lot of the characters, especially the uh, higher class characters, are symbols or representations of different facets of marriage or Oberon is a representation of uh, fixing your your broken marriage or um, you know uh, sacrificing your child or parting ways with your child in order to maintain your marriage or you know all of these different facets of Theseus is this idea of, of arranging marriage and and is that appropriate or not and so it's all these different angles that you're looking at it through marriage, which is kind of the first time we've done that with, as a group of uh, critics. This has been adapted a gajillion times. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, it's been several operas, including The Fairy Queen, Puck. It's been a musical a couple of times, including Babes in the Wood in 64 and The Donkey Show in 1999. The Donkey Show? <laughs> yeah, which I would love to see. It sounds like a laugh riot. It's been a ballet a handful of times. It's been adapted to many, many TV series and episodes. Uh, The storyline's been lifted. Um, And then, probably most famously on film, it was adapted in 1999 um, with uh, Stanley Tucci and Michelle Pfeiffer. And, you know, it's like the famous adaptation that you watch when you're, like, reading it in school and stuff. Mm -hmm. That one's pretty popular. And then, of course, Where the World Mine in 2007, 8? Eight. Eight. So it was really... Was this the same year as Hairspray? Or was Hairspray... Seven. Oh, seven. The quality in production is quite quite different considering Their how close... Their budgets were very different. <laughs> well, that, that shows, it. but, but it, it's so shocking to me that those two are so close in the timeline because they look very different. <laughs> so this one was released November 21st, 2008. It was directed by Tom Guff- Gustafson. Um, it was also written by Tom and uh, Corey James uh, Krukberg. Uh, K-R-E... No, K-R-U-E-C-K-E-B-E-R-G. I would say Krukberg, yeah. Krukberg. I keep Krukberg wanna... sits in the old gum tree. <laughs> eating all the gum um, you know that one? Yeah. The Krukberg? Yeah, the Krukberg. Yeah, yeah. I do... Good talk. Good talk. Anyway, <laughs> um, cinematography by Kira Kelly and music by Jessica Fold and Tim Sandusky. Ah, good old Tim. Eh, me, 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 me. 
The cast for this one, um, Tanner Cohen as our main homie, Timothy, who plays Puck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they have the play within the movie. Yeah. So they all have multiple... This is going to be confusing. Listen, um, he's the only one that I have. Oh, okay. Good, because the rest he's of the, them are... He's just... He's the more important... It's important to know that he's link. Puck. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Um, Wendy Robbie as Miss Tebbit. Uh, Judy McLean as Donna... Zelda Williams as Frankie, Jill Larson as Nora, uh, Ricky Goldman as Max, uh, Nathaniel David Becker <laughs> as Jonathan, uh, Kristen Stoley as Coach Driscoll, Bleh. Bleh. <laughs> uh, David Darlow as Dr. Lauren Spellinger, he's like the headmaster of the school. Oh, sure, the guy who runs the school. Yep. Uh, Parker Croft as Cooper. Um, I don't know how you would pronounce this. Yeah, why are you making that face? B u k a u s k a s. Bukowski, Bukowski. There's not an e at the end. Let me see. There's it's like cos at the end. Um, who are we looking at? Oh wait, no, I found it. Don't move. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh no, I saw the word newscaster. I, I was wrong. Oh, Brad. Uh, Brad Bukaskis. Bukaskis. Yeah. Braid. Braid. As Cole, uh, Reed Dawson as Russ Alexander Aguilar as Taylor. Um, Yanni Solomon as Bradley. Colin Skemp as Becky. Colleen. My bad. Get it together. I won't. Um, <laughs> Wayman? Fine. That's fun. Um... Is that Arnett? Yeah, Wayman Arnett as Henry. Zach Gray as Ian. Julia Black as Crystal. Peggy Roeder as Cole's mother. And Paul Linsky as a newscaster. Nice. Nice. Now, most of these characters are just twinks who make out. You don't need to know their names. Yeah, the big ones are Timothy, Tabit, Donna, Frankie, Nora, Max, Jonathan. Yeah. And then, like, the coach and the doctor, I guess. But you don't yeah, really yeah, need yeah. to know their names. It's more about their titles. Yeah. So, this is a tiny, tiny, tiny bitch film. Yeah. It, it, we found it on Tubi. It vibes very watch. much as, like a, like, a film festival kind of movie. Fully. So, this is actually based off of... This is, this is a full-length feature version of Tom Gustafson's 2003 short film, Fairies. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it was adapted off of that. Um, and that was in a lot of these film festival things. Sure. So the reviews for this, I did manage to scrape up <laughs> uh, a couple of reviews. Moira McDonald from the Seattle Times said, Where the World Mind gets by on sheer charm and on uh, Gustafson's inventive direction, Kira Kelly's elegant cinematography, and co-screenwriter uh, Corey James Kuchenberg, uh Whimsical's production design, which works wonders on a limited budget. They really do. I, as, if you're looking at it through the lens of that, definitely. Yeah, if you I know mean, the constraints that this was built under, mm-hmm. and you look at how they very practically used what they had at the time to effectively tell a story. Because I kept thinking while watching it, I was like, this to me as a movie seems ludicrous, 
Uh, but yes. if I watched <laughs> very close to the same thing on a stage, I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a, a small budget film. Um, it's one of those things where I didn't feel fully pulled into the world enough. Sure. To then be taken on the weird ass fantasy that <laughs> <laughs> happens. It also... You know what I mean? I remember watching this movie when I was much younger the first time. Like, I was probably, like, 16 or 17 the first time I watched this. And I've never seen this before. I know you're all shocked. I know. That never happens here. I'll just keep saying it every time. And as a coming-of-age film, this is, I think, a much more powerful story. That makes sense. And especially as, like, a young, twinkie, 17-year-old kid in a conservative town, this movie... Saw you. Right. Yeah. And it it meant a lot more to me then. And I think I still look back on it through a sort of rose-colored lens. Because I really, really enjoy this movie. But also, as as an almost 30-year-old gay man now, I can acknowledge that it's not necessarily for all tastes. Right. Including mine at 30. Right. And (laughs) I think that's the difficult thing, right? Is this is very, very... 2000s coming of age oh, film. Oh, so, so very 2000s. Any, any of them. Any of them. Any of them at all. This yeah. is very, like, very, very. And I think some of it too is, I'm like, oh, oh, I don't like that from my youth. Oh, <laughs> I, oh, that is like a lot. And a lot of the acting and stuff for me in this felt very after school special. That's fair. And we'll get to it. But anyway. um, And the one other critique that I was able to scrounge up was uh, Kevin Thomas of the LA Times said, "Were, Were the world mind is seriously uneven. If it displays considerable imagination and creativity, it also lapses too often into smug, campy silliness. I think uneven is a good word for it. I think uneven is. And I think the the smug campy silliness that he might be feeling and seeing is to me, the after school special, uh, community theater members who take their roles too seriously (laughs) kind of vibe. I think that might be what it is. Yeah. There's a couple of sequences near the end of the film that I can think of that are very specifically those feelings. Yeah. Um, But let's, well, do you have anything else? No, that's it. Well, then let's get into it and talk about those sequences. Uh Let us diveth into thine plot, bitties. Thine plotteth? Thine plotteth, (laughs) betelves. Was that you trying to put a TH on bitties? Yeah. Betevs. Okay. Betiths. I don't think you're using that TH right. I'm using it how I want to. It's more fun. <laughs> I think the ETH as a suffix is like exclusively for verbs. Biddy's a verb. <laughs> no, it's fucking not. <laughs> anyway, what anyway, happens? Anyway, let's dive what into happens? this shit. So, um, there's a lot of just... Heads up out there. There's a lot of very quick back and forth and in between and left, right, sideways. There's a lot. <laughs> Which is only really a problem for Binny because she has to write down the plot points as they happen. <laughs> I just write down my feelings as I have them. Yeah, so you're it's... like, oh, this is fun. 
and I'm like, oh my god, stop flipping back and forth between story points. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, relatively quick paced, and I think a part of that is a reflection of the source material, right? Is right the Shakespearean kind of. Uh, uh, mismatched lovers kind of thing you have to kind of switch back and forth really quickly and like the pacing of that is in the spirit of the the source material but it does mean that your job was particularly difficult this week (laughs) yeah well and i think one of those things too is is that when i go in to watch these things one if i'm watching it for this and have to do this and it's things like that it automatically makes me be like do i like this film uh (laughs) And then this was so severely early 2000s, and I was like, Oh, yes, it was. I don't know that I like this film. <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, I this was a, a like a part of my coming of age time period, right? For me, so I have Which sort of makes, a yeah. I have a sort of sentimental attachment that probably skews my vision on it. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about the mom's relationship with Timothy too, as we kind of move through plot here. Mm-hmm. And we have we have a difference of opinion on the mom. But we'll discuss why. Yeah. Okay. So what happens first? So what happens first is uh, our main man, Timothy, is in gym class and they're playing dodgeball. First of all, dodgeball is an incredibly inhumane game. We need to retire it. It's not safe for children to play. (laughs) No, I think it's... I I don't know. I think it's dumb. And my gym classes in high school were all like gym electives. So we did like yoga and cardio. We didn't do... I, I think my freshman year I had a traditional gym class. Where we did like sports units. But after that, I did a class called Fitness for Life, which was like Taibo, yoga, um, like boot camp sessions where we would do like specific muscle groups and things like that. And like we had like big dancing units. Like we didn't do sports and their rules and like gameplay. So I didn't, I only played dodgeball maybe like twice in my entire high school career. And I still think it's incredibly inhumane. I think it's an awful way to keep kids active. <laughs> yeah. um, so, also, why do all male gym teachers just suck? I don't know, but this one really does. Oh, he's, I mean, he sucks for a point. Like, he do- I <laughs> it know, makes a point later. I but but I hate know, him so much. But we know these people. Oh my God. So many of my siblings were big wrestling kids through we high school. We know these people. I've met these coaches and they are genuinely like this and they're just the worst. They're just terrible, terrible people. Yeah, high school bullies. To their kids, too. Oh, yeah, to students, to children. Yeah. They're high school bullies who, like, couldn't figure out how to be adults outside of high school, so they just went back to high school. And then just kept bullying high school students? Yeah. Yeah. Like fucking psychopaths. Yeah. Um, So, this dodgeball scene quickly shifts Into a dodgeball version of Get Your Head in the Game. Um, yeah, we get like a dodgeball ballet. It like stops right before it's going to hit Timothy in the head and it floats and then he's like walking around it. And then there's like a tree on a stage, but it's oh like a Oh my God, like yeah, the tree, tree moment. It's like lit from behind. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a paper mache prop tree. Yeah, and I was I wrote down, oh, we're in a musical musical. Yeah, and then... um. <laughs> Like, all of these guys were, like, dancing around, and it was very, like, what in the acid trip is happening? Yeah. Because, wait, I don't, this is the first, like, I think, minute and a half. Oh, yeah. We're, like, oh, but we're not even very we're far 45 into seconds into the film. <laughs> right. And we're already, like, kind of building this world of 
Oh. I think it does do a really cool thing where it establishes a, a sense of like, we're going to hop in and out of reality quickly and often. And thank God it did that right away though. Because, yeah. because I think, and I'll probably say this later, but I think that there's a different way that you could have framed this movie that wasn't so back and forth and have it still make the sense. I agree. And I think a part of that is, as we know, it was like a film festival thing that got expanded. Right. So there are probably remnants of pacing and, and editing from the original production. Um, and that's dangerous. You shouldn't do that because you end up with something really clipped and, and kind of scattered. Uh, I think another part of that is obviously the budget. Um, and I think uh, the last piece of that is that the, the screenwriter and the playwright are also directing it. So there are sentimental decisions being made. Right. And we know that from experience. Because I, throughout this film watching it, I kept thinking of, again, maybe, and I don't know if I said this earlier, if I just said this to you off mic, but if this was a stage adaptation and I was watching it, I'd probably get even more behind it than what I was when I was watching it as a sure, movie. Sure, sure. Um, and there was a certain point kind of towards the end that all of a sudden it clicked in my head of like, remember when we're in shows and like little things are really like we do things or say things a certain way or lean into it because we know the connection and how important that is. Mm -hmm. But an audience watching it for the first time is not like doesn't get it. No, but yeah, and they're like, how did you not? Because we did this because of this, 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 and this, because you're so into the material exactly and i think that again because the the screenwriter is the playwright and the playwright is the director i think what you end up with are are a bunch of sent overly sentimental decisions that probably don't read the same to us as they do to them and they own the production company yeah so it's so it's it's very very inside yeah there's probably a lot of like inside stuff that goes on that we aren't that isn't translating i should say right so, yeah. so that's something to so, keep anyway. in mind, but, but yes, so we get this very like high school musical style ballet dodgeball thing. <laughs> right. It's, um, and so I'm like, oh my God. Okay. We're launching into our first number. No, nope. just kidding. It's so brief. It's so brief. It's just um, a glimmer of fantasy. Then, uh, we're in the locker room and this is another quick, when I say these things are so fast. Yeah. This is what happens in the locker room. Some dudes are like. Oh my God, Shakespeare, dumb. <laughs> then there's this kid, Jonathan, um, very sweet boy. So cute. He seems to be one of the heterosexual rugby players. And he's like, hey, are you okay? To Timothy, who got hit in the face and has a shiner um, from a dodgeball. He's like, hey, do you want me to get you ice? No, it's fine. I'll live through it. Okay. You don't have to live through it. That's the Just whole so thing. That's the whole scene. But it's important because guys are already talking about Shakespeare. And Jonathan has now reached out and was like nice when all the other guys have been dick bags. So that's true. Yeah. Now we're in English class um, with Miss Tebbit. I love Miss Tebbit. I thoroughly enjoy her. And I kept thinking, I was like, she's a mix between certain like college professors and things that we had over there, I was like, she's this person yes, and she also is. this person and this person. I just, it was very that for me. Um, Listen, all English teachers are magical people. 
And right off the bat, like one of the douchebag guys is like, Timothy is a homosexual, essentially. And Miss <laughs> um, Tebbit's like, why don't you shut your fucking mouth? Not my classroom. Moving on. You know, that kind of thing. She, I mean, she's so... The she's thing very is, commanding. And she's so centered and calm about it. Yeah, she's never like yelling. No. She's like, hmm... She has that quiet rage. Yeah, yeah. She has such a threatening aura. (laughs) And she's like, hmm. Really? Is that the mood that you're wanting to do? I dare you. Like, she's so gentle and powerful. I love her. Yeah. She reminds me of several English teachers we had in high school who, like, were a lifeline for me. Yeah. Um,. But brava, and then they are starting to recite um, Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And uh, Timothy, like, it, the world kind of, like, shifts again. And he's, like, imagining Jonathan shirtless singing at him. Gay shit. Singing, oh, <laughs> Timothy. Which, again, is a song that I was like, oh, it's a, a song. song. It's no, not. It's, fi- it's, like, maybe 15 seconds. Yeah. Fine. It's just a quick glimmer of, if I had to title this, it would be Twinks the Musical. Like yeah. cats, like in all caps, but Twinks. Cats. Twinks. Twinks. <laughs> um, and one thing that every single time, just know this listener, every single time we are in Miss Tebbit's room, she goes over to the windowsill and waters flowers. These little, like, tiny, they're growing. Little, little baby sproutlets. <laughs> Just know that. Anytime we're like, and we're with Miss Tebbit having a discussion. She is going to water a flower. She's watering flowers. It's an important thing. So, that weird little snippet happens. Timothy gets shocked back to life by the bell or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, Miss Tebbit. Oh, like, I think it's a crossfade, actually, because it's like Jonathan being like, Timothy, oh, Timothy, oh, Timothy. And then it like Miss Tebbit's voice kind of like crossfades and she's like, Timothy, oh, Timothy. And um, <laughs> are you leaving my classroom here. today or? And she's like, hey, by the way, the spring play is Midsummer Night's Dream. You better be there. Audition. And he's like, no, I don't do that. And she's like, do it. And he's like, no. And like grabs the paper anyway. Um, (laughs) And she's like, she always speaks in half like today's English and half old English. Yeah. It's almost always in like in verse. Yeah. She speaks very poetically. Yeah. Um. And I was like, I'm already keeping my eyes out on you, Miss Tebbit. I'm just saying, right here now. Yeah. I literally have a note in here like, hmm, interesting. He was like, no, and grabbed the paper anyway. Okay. Well, here we go. Um, Timothy meets up with his friends. We meet Frankie, um, who is, uh, is heteroflexible. Listen. The fedora friend is queer culture. Oh my God. When she was like with the fedora and the ends slightly bleached on dark hair, but Uh only like half an inch to an inch Mm -hmm. with just 
all of the random bullshit she was wearing. Yeah. She's and got the like guitar a She's was... got like a denim vest with patches on it and she brings her guitar everywhere with her and, and she's shiny... got a fedora and I was like And then shiny cowboy boots. I can't tell you how incredibly aggressively queer coded you are. <laughs> and she's like, mm, I don't know. He's like, heteroflexible, what does that mean? She's like, I'm straight, but sometimes things come up. Well, or sometimes things happen. We've all been there. Well, and now we're here. I was gay once. We all do it. You were gay once? <laughs> Just the one time? Just the one time. Just the one time. Um, wow, that one time has lasted quite a... Yeah, I was going to say, I'll let you know when it ends, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Max, who is straight and very into Frankie. And so, so pretty. Yeah, he's beautiful. Um, really, really, they're all so pretty. Yeah. Good job, everybody. It's their thing. Um, and Timothy is gay. And in this moment, we kind of find out, because before we're like, oh, he's being kind of bullied. And right. people are is like, he out? Gay. Is he not? But we don't know, you know, whatever. Unclear. Until now, which it is clear, he is out. Yes. Yeah. His friends know. All not a secret. Stuff. So they head back on over to Timothy's house and they're hanging out and vibing and um, his mom comes home and there is tension Ooh, as yeah. soon as she comes in. Um, palpable. Yeah. And uh, there seems to be some shit about like Timothy being like, well, did you even get a job? You need to get a job. And she's like, I got a job. Also, why do you have a bruise on your face? I send you to a school and pay all this money for you to have a bruise on your face? And he's like, oh, it's no big deal because he's about to be like, I got it in gym class playing dodgeball. And he's like, oh, it was an accident. And she like takes the drying dish rack and flips it over. And she's like, that's an accident. Oh, that clipped so hard, Benny. So sorry, everybody. (laughs) She's like, that's an accident. And he, she's like, this president accident. And he's like, D- you're not listening to me. And then they're like picking up dishes. She's like, oh, <laughs> he leaves. Uh, and then Frankie's like, it was an accident. It happened during dodgeball. God. So the important takeaways from this interaction, the first interaction we have with Timothy and his mom yeah. are that uh, they're establishing a new dynamic Mm-hmm. He's in a new school. She's looking for a new job. Yep. And that she is a vengeful woman. She snaps to anger kind of quickly. Like she has a short fuse. Right. Um, and I, I think it establishes just kind of where the two of them are at. Yeah. And what I like about it is that it keeps the stakes high for us, like right off the bat when we meet them. Because a lot of it can feel inconsequential otherwise. So I like that about them. I, I do really like a vengeful god as a mom. <laughs> I do, but when you're already, like, you're at home in a situation with your mom and she's, like, flipping dishes over. Yeah. That's... I mean, That's yes. traumatic and inappropriate. <laughs> um, even if she was like, you know, no, that's not... That's not okay. That's not an accident. Saying those things. She's like, if I dropped a dish, that would be an accident. Something like that could have happened instead of her actually then putting that kind of like tension in the air of flipping dishes over me like, that's an accident. Right. Acting aggressively in front of three teenagers. 
like you didn't need to do that pull that it together kind mom of like petrifying pull um, it together um but i do i because i think her assumption is that he's been assaulted at school and that he's making excuses about it right and so from that perspective i can understand her swift reaction but it, yeah it's but the just thing from is, like, like especially if you think that your child has just been like hit and attacked and then you're going to like throw be things. physically violent in front of them that's not the way to do it i remember watching this the first time as a kid and like fully understanding the mom's reaction and now as like an adult from her perspective i think it's irrational yeah so i guess it just depends on where you're where you're at where, you, movie, where but, you're at in the yeah but yeah um, just as a as a pro tip now from these two podcasters currently please don't flip dishes at your children when they tell you they've been injured <laughs> Yeah. Bad um, tactic, zero out of ten. Right. And when, after Frankie was like, it happened in dodgeball. And the mom's like, well, you can tell him I did get a job. Okay. With her, like, light brown, glossy lip and her, like, oh, God. super thin 2000s eyebrow. Oh, the thin brow. She oh, ex- the thin exclusively brow. wears, like, Ooh. like, the top of her jeans is just a centimeter above her vagina. Oh, it's very 2000s. Like, when I say low-rise, I mean, like, the, the extreme Like the Christina way. Aguilera music video low-rise. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, it turns out, Mom got a job. Um, she's doing training for Nora Ray, which is giving Mary Kay. Yeah. That's what that is. Nora, me. yeah. Nora Fay is definitely a play on Mary Kay. Yeah. Um, also, Faye, that's fairies. Fairies. Fairies! <laughs> Very good parents! Um, so she goes and she's going to do training and uh, Miss Nora is like, oh, come, oh, I, th- I thought you were coming on Thursday. Oh! Come in. Oh, she's like, Nora's very. She's such a frail. Bad. She's a frail, delicate. And she's like, come in, come in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking ludicrous. Anyway. Um, and then we flip back to their auditions happening for the play. Mm-hmm. And this kid is auditioning. I've had these two things happen during auditions. I'm not <laughs> kidding. Um, where this kid's trying to sing. He doesn't sound great. No, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, and he's like, I'm better without the piano. You're not though, babe. You're not. You're better without the thing that's telling you what the pitches are supposed to be. Yeah. Mm. If your piano is tuned properly, there's just, there's, the margin is so, so, so slim that you'll be more in tune than the piano, friend. It's just not going to happen for you. No. Um, and then this one kid was like, oh, by the way, I'm growing a goatee. Stop. I've had students be like... like high school students or whatever be like oh i'm growing facial hair is that okay you're a high school student and i'm not going to say that i never say this to them i never ever say this to their face ever because i don't want to be like the three hairs on your chin (laughs) that no one will be able to see from stage because as soon as you put foundation on, it will genuinely disappear. And actually, in this conversation, I have to squint to find it. <laughs> Fine, you can grow your <laughs> facial hair. Um, Especially at that age group, like, if we need you to have facial hair, we will get you a beard. You're not going to be able to grow one. 
the the not amount of high the, school to students. the length and the fullness that we need you to have. A, like you're not gonna grow a beard at 17 to look 30. No, it's not gonna happen for you. No, and that's I've okay. Met, it's normal. I there's only like a like two whole people. I think even like through when we went through high school, and then also we're teaching high school students that I have seen that has like almost grown facial hair. I can't think like of anyone. Grown adult facial hair. Not anybody in the music department, at least. They weren't in the music department. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> so I was like, I'm like, oh, listen, I'm sure that this is like a point for you of like, I'm a man, my facial hair is growing in, so I'm not right. going to shit on your parade. Well, there's also the point of contention that like some of the roles that they're reading for are written for women because it's an all boys school and they're doing the Shakespearean thing where like... Right, here in this movie, yes. Men, like the these young boys are going to fill the female roles. Because this is an all boys school. Correct. So like there is that point of contention that they're like, oh, I'm growing, I'm growing the so goatee so I can't be a lady. I can't be a woman. I couldn't possibly be Thisbe. Don't, don't cast me as Hermia. Oh I can't God, do it because I have up. too much beard. It'll never work. Exhausting. <laughs> Exhausting. Um, but anyway, so he's like, I'm growing out a goatee. And just Miss Tippett's reaction of, I'll keep that in mind. I just, <laughs> I felt that in my soul. In my soul. Um, also, the stage and things that they are working off of is in the gym. Yeah, it, By the yeah. Way, I hate that setup. I, I also, hate I also hate it. Everything. I'm not I sure understand. who invented it and whose idea it was, but it's truly terrible. I don't. I understand to a certain point if a school, when they're building it, is on a limited budget and they're like, "Well, it'd be cool to have a stage for things." If you want to double up spaces, but you don't end right. up doubling those spaces because sports commandeer that that space then. Right. And that's just the way that those. Things work. Yeah. Arts take a back seat to that, and that's stupid and dumb, and we have our own opinions on that. But yeah. So so coach comes in and is like, Hey, you're done zo. And she's like, I have ten minutes of my scheduled time left, and you will not kick me out. I will leave in exactly ten minutes. I would go to war for Mrs. Tebbett. I fucking loved her. And the amount of times that we've had to have these conversations. Oh my God. Even though we were working, we were lucky enough to work in a space that was a dedicated only theater space. And we're still having to have these arguments with sports people when you have three gyms. Yeah. What if you fucked off? (laughs) Actually, instead. Um, I mean, truly, truly. If you have a space that is built for arts programming, let it be for arts programming. There's no reason if you have the space, aside from a ridiculous adult like dick measuring contest. Yeah. And that's ridiculous. Like, be grown and go use the spaces that are built specifically for that purpose. Yeah. Or any of the other dozens of spaces at our high school in particular that could have uh, have housed those sorts of events. Yeah, when we're working there, yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, but she she puts her foot down and I love that about her and I I would put on war paint and I would swing an axe for Miss Tebbit. I love Miss Tebbit. Um just her commanding energy is great. Anyway, <laughs> um so they end up um so she, he's like, "Oh, well, better off a steward." Beep, 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 and he leaves. He says what? He's like, beep, 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 beep. Um, <laughs> that's my grumpy, that's, cis, hetero, white man. Okay, that's yeah. what he says. Beep, 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 beep. Uh, <laughs> being defeated. Anyway, um, then we're back with 
uh, mom and Nora. And she's like looking at these pictures as she's leaving. And she's like, oh, is this, was this you back in the day? And Nora's like, yes. She's like, you're a singer? I was. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And then like going through da da da, whatever. And we find out that Nora's husband is like the head guy at the school that Timothy goes to is. And she gets like really weird about it. Nora does. I ne- we never find out why. But she just like gets really weird. I just, no. He, yes, he's there, but no, just don't worry about it. Don't, da, da, da. And maybe it's because she's had to have so many conversations about her husband. Well, I think it's meant to illustrate discord in their marriage. Oh, that makes sense. I think it's meant to be like she doesn't like talking about her marriage or her husband because they're unhappy in their marriage and they're like not confronting it. Yeah. And mom is like, oh, did you have any, like, you know, says, oh, did your boys go there to this school that sure. her husband? And she's like, no, no, I didn't bear children. I was too busy birthing my makeup line. And I'm like, get it, Nora. Relatable content. Um, I haven't any time for children. I'm too busy building an empire. <laughs> uh, we're back at the audition. Um, and Timothy is there and he's the last to audition. And he's like, no, I, I can't sing. He's like, he reads, I don't know how. And she's like, that's great. Now singing. And he's like, I can't sing. And then he just proceeds to sing perfectly. Not only sing perfectly, but also sight reads the music. He sight reads sheet music. Miss Tibbet singing harmony. Uh, yeah. Bitch, please. Without the piano playing the the his line. Nope. No guide, no nothing. He's just fully. I've never sang before. Proceeds what if you get to sight, yeah, sight read perfectly. Um, he also like works his way up into like a pretty healthy mix belt. Yeah. And like, just shut up. <laughs> Just shut up. Some of us have to go to lessons for years, years to be able to do such things. And you what? You just rolled in? Just like, oh. You just rolled out of bed and were like, ready? I've never sang before. Eat a bag of dicks. I hate hate you. I hate you. I hate you. But he does have a lovely voice. He does sound great. Because everything else has been kind of... Like, the little bits that we've heard of stuff. I don't think we've heard him sing yet. No, we haven't heard um, him sing in particular. Everything else has been kind of like, oh, all right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Again, it's got a it's got a very, like, rough-hewn community theater vibe. Yes. Up to this point. Yeah. Um, and then they're like, the rugby boys are sitting outside of the gym, and, and they're like, oh, wait, who's that singing? Who's that girl? Anyway, and it... It's Tim. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Jonathan like peers his eyeball through the doors oh. and sees him and it's very um so the shot is very cool because for whatever reason she closed the curtains on the stage for auditions except one like chunk which happens to be where everybody who's been auditioning has been standing mm-hmm. It creates sort of a closed space with with an entrance, a very slim entrance, but you can see in. Yeah, you can see the person auditioning. So when he peers in, he like sees through the gym, through the curtains, and just to Timothy. It's, it's good. It's good. It's good. Uh, It is oozing homosexuality. And then uh, a weird uh, gay romp happens. Homosexuality. Yes. Uh... It's another dance number. The rugby guys come in. It's kind of like, okay. Because it's like, again, it only happens for 
seconds and then we're done. Like I, yeah. What I will say is all of these bigoted uh, little Twinkie teenagers, they dance. They, oh, mama, they dance. They dance good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We find out uh, Timothy has been cast as Puck. And then Jonathan reads the cast list with him and goes, looks like I'm one of the lovers. After like touching it and grabbing his shoulder, he's like, hey, hey, I heard you. I've seen porn start this way. Oh, hey, I heard you singing. Absolutely. I'm one of the lovers. When he said and, that out loud, I was like, oh, so Jonathan's, like, I just, Jonathan's I just, into him. Yeah. Not just like a straight boy who's nice to the gay kid. No, no. Like he... He's looking to, like, act on it. Mm, mm, okay. Listen, okay, okay. as a queer kid who had a lot of queer friends who weren't outwardly queer at the time... Yeah. These signals are loud. Yeah. Just <laughs> screlting. Out loud. He might as well have said, well, it looks like I have to blow you before opening night. Like, like he, he just... It's all there. Yeah, it's all there. Um... Coach is pissed that his players are getting parts. And he's, oh, my God. He's like, I'm going to take this to, to the headmaster, Dean, or I don't know what they call him. I don't know what they, they call, call him either. I'm gonna, I want to call him headmaster because that seems like what it would be for a all-boys school. Yeah, I think so. Um, and he's like, what the hell? I'm going to get the dean or the headmaster involved. And she's like, great. I'd Fucking love try me, bitch. That. And he's like, pop, pop, pop. So earlier, in the, it's like right after the dodgeball scene, the coach says something sidelong to Timothy, like something shitty. And I had written down like, I just hope the coach dies at, at some point, like before we're done here. <laughs> and uh, when he gets all up in Miss Tebbit's face, I was like, oh, and I hope she's the one who gets to kill him. Yeah. I would just find that really delightful. Mm, delicious. <laughs> um. So we're back at home. Timothy is with Max and Frankie and they're talking about the play and all of this stuff. And there's sketch designs for wings and things like that. And mom comes home and they're like talking about whatever. And they're like, yeah, he's in a play. And she's like, oh, it's probably off character because Timothy has said, like, I've never acted or done anything like this before. So she's like, oh, okay, You know, whatever. Weird, but fine. And then they're like, yeah, he's a fairy in this play. And she's like, fairy! Like, fairy she, godparents! She says fairy. <laughs> she's, Just, yeah. She like snaps and she's like, you're a fairy? Yeah, <gasps> mom. And they're like, yeah. But it's like a really cool, important fairy. <laughs> Me too. He's Puck. <laughs> Have you ever been a really important, interesting fairy? Yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, so she's just like, oh my God, he's a fairy. And it's, I, I don't know. It just, it was so comical to me. And she like snapped her head and freaked out about it. <laughs> um, it's like, no, he wasn't cast as a fairy because he's a fairy mom. It's okay. Yeah. He was cast as a fairy because he sings good. Yeah. Um, Only the most talented get to be fairies, Mom. Don't you know? Anyway. Uh, yeah. So, and at this point, like, Mom, she's like, uh, Frankie's like, yeah, and he gets cool wings like this and, like, shows her a sketch. And I'm like, where the fuck did you get this sketch? What's happening? Who's to say? What's going on? Um, so, 
Back on the farm. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. The school. Uh, Miss Tebbit is having a meeting in her classroom with the headmaster and coach. And the coach is like, yo, you're going to make all these boys gay. You're going to make them feel emasculated. You're going to you're gonna destroy their sense of team and, uh, and all these other ridiculous, stupid things. And this is the first things. time in our history as a school where the rugby team seems to be doing decently. Mm-mm. So fuck your arts programming. And the headmaster's like, well, you know, there's some concern because you're having boys play girls and they're going to be love interests and that's going to be gross. Uh, and miss tebbit is just like well i'm sorry that this is making you uh question your sexuality and making you uncomfortable (laughs) in your sexuality um but fun fact we've been doing shakespeare stuff this way in this all boys school for 56 years and you've never mentioned it before now hasn't been a problem until Literally right now. So this sounds like a you problem. Hope you get it sorted. uh, The way that theater used to work at this time when this play was written is that it was illegal for women to be actors. So yeah, men had to play the women parts in this play. Mm -hmm. So it's historically accurate. And we've been doing it here for 56 years. This is nothing new. If you have a problem with it, Get bent. And she wins that argument fully. (laughs) Uh, Quick reminder, she's watering flowers. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And she's like, it's your fault that society has changed to be the way it is. And if the boys feel this way, then it's your fault. Correct. And I was like, damn, girl, you're right. Um, I'm telling you, English teachers are, they're a special, like... I don't want to say subclass of humans. I want to go the opposite of the, of the other direction, like a super class. Subset? No, no. I don't want to. There is English teachers are better than people. <laughs> does sub automatically mean below? I think it does. At least oh, connota- I it, connotatively. I thought it was like. Like me, laterally? Yeah. I don't know. Well, even then, English teachers are better than other people, is oh my, my point. Oh, my God. <laughs> so. Um, now we get a tension moment back, back at home. Mm, Is this the car scene? This is the car scene. Uh. So mom is in her car. That's the scene. No, I'm kidding. And scene. And scene. Um, the tension is between her and her eyebrows. No. Um, (laughs) her her thin, thin, thin 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 eyebrows. eyebrows. So Timothy like gets into the car and he's like, Hey, where are we going? I think he's just, like, trying to be, like, you've been sitting out in your car for a while. Mm-hmm. What the fuck's going on? But, like, breaking the tension a bit with that. Yeah. Um, and then we get not really backstory, but kind of, and you explained it more to me, which I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, because it's very fast quick speaking back and forth without a lot of actual backstory and yeah. you have to understand and read there's a lot of a lot of that and only watching it for a hot second one time yeah well and of course i've seen this movie like, multiple times right and, and it's like half sentences and yeah. things like that so there's a lot of like um very brisk expositional writing going on here where like we are we've seen their dynamic between mom and timothy right and this scene kind of like coalesces a lot of the details for us so they have this kind of 
tough conversation. And at first I thought it was going to be a coming out conversation. Um, and, and that would kind of like clarify like who knows what between the two of them. But we, we do come to understand very quickly that like she knows he's gay. He's out to mom. Like they're past that at this point. And the conversation becomes about like mom is upset with Timothy uh, and kind of blames him for, I don't want to say blames him, but assigns some responsibility to him for her marriage dissolving and through like some very quick conversation, we come to understand that like Timothy came out to his parents, his mom and his dad, and his dad threw him out of the house. He went to live with Frankie and mom gave dad the ultimatum that like either you can bring our son back into our home or I will also leave. And so now she's not with her husband and her and Timothy are together again and had to like figure out how to live and, and so that circles back to, like, finding a new job. He's at a new school. Like, they're in this new place. It's why uh, it's why Timothy doesn't go to school with Frankie and Max because they're friends from before their lives imploded. And so we get a lot of, like, quick rapid-fire details that kind of pile up quickly into essentially a backstory. Right. Um, I personally really love this scene. Um, I had written down, is this going to be a coming-out scene? And then, like, immediately I'm like, no, it's way better than that. Because especially in 2008, so much of the 2000s was so focused on coming out stories. Like every queer story was like a tumultuous, painful, ugly, sometimes violent coming out story. And we needed so much more of that conversation than we got out of that like, I don't know, two decades of those stories being told. It was like, and this is not comparing the uh the seriousness or the weight of both of these but like coming out stories became for the queer community what slave stories were for the for uh communities of color like black stories were exclusively about slavery for like decades was the only role you were allowed to play and in the same way in like the early 2000s and even i would say even up to like 2015 ish the only role that queer people could play was in a coming out story. And there's so much more to that conversation. And we have some of it here where like, they talk about like mom kind of blames Timothy and is like, I have to come out every day, just like you do. And uh, you know, they have this really hard conversation and there's some, there's some hurt feelings I think between the two of them. Yeah. Cause mom is like, why are you gay? What did I do to make you this way? Right. Um, and is like, you know, at one point, I don't think it's this conversation. It might have been an earlier conversation. And she says something about, I really miss your dad. And he's like, I don't have a dad. Right. And she's like, well, I should have just listened to him and just locked you in your room. No. And I'm like, well, that was a that. fucking weird, just drop in the mic moment here for yeah. this mom. And I think this is a, I think it's a pivotal scene because I think a lot of moms arc through the course of this film as we try and kind of mash all the characters into vaguely uh, Shakespearean roles from the source material, I think mom has sort of an independent arc coming to terms with her son and coming to terms with their relationship. And like from someone who had a sort of tumultuous coming out process, especially with my mom, this during this same age, right? Like at the same time, like I came out in like 2009 Mm Mm-hmm. And this movie's from 08. So, like, 
I mean, this was happening to me in real time. Right. And so I, 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 I personally see a lot of my own story in these moments with her. And, uh, and this is coming from someone who's like, who has a super mom. Like my mom loves her queer kids and like, we're so close now because of it. But like we had a journey to go on. And uh, so I see a lot of that in these conversations. Uh, uh, the, the one thing that I super duper want everyone to take away from this is at the end, she, she's saying like, you're not the only one who has to come out. I have to come out every day, just like you do. Uh, this isn't just your problem. Don't ever, 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 never, ever refer to your child's sexuality as a problem. Because it's not. And it's so... I mean, that'll linger with a kid. Don't ever, ever say that. Find your feelings, regulate your emotions in front of your child, and be a parent. But do not ever, ever, ever refer to your child and their identity as a problem. Yeah. Everything else, you're welcome to interpret in your own way. But if you take anything away from that, this little scenelet, like, that should be... That's my one thing that I... I hope you take concretely away from this podcast in this moment. <laughs> right. And then, and I just, this applies to so many things also outside of this is that, um, if you're, if you're having big, big feelings in regards to certain things, sometimes, um, actually most of the time you should go process those not at your child. Correct. Because that's not your child's job. Your job is to take care of your child. And if you want to have a discussion with them after you've processed through things, which could be a healthy discussion of like, hey, I was in this place, you know, not fully divulging every thought and feeling you had throughout the process. Right. The the priority should be obviously taking care of your child. Right. And be like, hey, so I was having difficulty with this. Um... So I'm sorry that there were times where things were shitty. Yeah. I've processed through that or I'm working on that or whatever. Being open and honest in those conversations with that is great. Being like, um, why are you gay? It ruined my marriage. And also. Right. Those are things. This is my, you know, this is a, your, this is a problem for me every day. Right. And that's something you should process on your own time. Blaming your child. Yeah. Yeah. Now the other half of that conversation is from uh, from a big kid to all of my little queerlings, please know that your parents are just people and that they are doing their best and that like me in particular, I am the firstborn. I was the first out queer person in my family in like I don't know, like a generation or two. Um please know that your parents are most likely more than likely just doing their best. Right. And they're going to falter. They're just people. And I know we don't like to think of our parents like that, but the truth is that no matter what age you are, your parents are just people who are probably encountering situations for the first time in their life and doing their best. And they're not going to always handle it with the most grace and yeah, whatever. And it shouldn't be your job to have to offer grace to the people who are meant to take care of you in your life. But if you have the capacity and you have the strength and, and the support in your life to do it with your community with your friends with other people in your life offer grace have kindness have patience and understand that like more than likely everybody in that situation is doing their best Mm -hmm. is it gonna suck are you gonna have to undo and unlearn some things later probably but that's the human condition right so just that's my advice on the other half of that conversation is like parents please take care of your kids especially when they're trying to come out to you 
and kids when you come out to your parents understand that like the identity that you've made peace with for yourself that you've uh, some of us take quite a bit of time to come to terms with our our own relationship to our sexuality you're asking a parent to do that in a moment in front of you and it's not going to be instant it might be and and that's fantastic and if your coming out is a, a cake and a youtube video i love that for you and i'm so happy for you it's not for a lot of us and i i just want you to know that the person on the other end of that situation is probably doing their best it's probably not going to be enough more than likely won't be enough but, but it is their best and you should you should take that as as you can as a person and not just like a child to a parent but from a person to a person mm-hmm. what happens next Anyway, mom <laughs> cuts up her wedding dress to make her gay kid wings. <laughs> Which I love because we just had this conversation where she was like, this ruined my marriage. Like, do you understand what that this coming out process hasn't been about you? Which is a terrible thing to say to a child because yeah, their coming she, out is about them. But yeah. But also, you know, if you zoom out, like, it's and important. And also that weird, that weird thing that parents sometimes do of like, look at what I sacrificed for you and you don't even seem appreciative and i'm like oh well that's you just you were stood a by your kid right. and was a parent in that moment good job doing the thing that you should have done but i think there is something to be said about like but zooming... not everybody also does that oh yeah so. that's true <clears throat> zooming out and acknowledging that like the coming out process isn't a singular event it's not a singular experience no and like again i was the oldest of five kids like all of my siblings had to also deal with my coming out and that's not a bad thing necessarily, but I think it is nice, again, that we're just having more of the conversation about, like, the coming out process and, like, the aftermath of it and less about, like, the, that being, like, a pinnacle event that, like, they came out and then the movie ended. Like, it's right. about all the things that happen around that. Like, as you start to, like, have relationships with people and, like, how it affects your parents and, like, the ripples that that makes in their lives and, like... I do like that we kind of have this zoomed out perspective of, of that, that it's about the people in your life and that like you're a whole person who encompasses a number of people. And also this movie is 15 years old. Yes. So the, so the, the conversation we're these having conversations has right. been updated, changed and uh, put out to those. Yes, um, I mean, 15 years later, the the conversation we're having around coming out and the queer experience is vastly different now, but... And sometimes it's still this. Yeah, yeah, and, and, but I think the, and, to, but, to have the script laid out for us on film right. here is so cool, and it, it might make some people uncomfortable at moments, but isn't, I think that's maybe the point. Yeah. Um, so she... Uh, the thing that really pissed me off about this scene... <laughs> Oh, when you pointed this out, I was like, that's a really fair point. This is what irritated me more than anything. Anything. This mom was like, okay, my kid, queer. In a play, fine. Also, is a fairy in the play? Okay, I guess. You know what I'm going to do to show my support? I'm going to make my child fairy wings for his costume. Now, ma'am. Earlier, I believe, I think that we were shown this earlier, Miss mm-hmm. um, Tebbit shows that she has, yes, because it was in the conversation um, with the coach and the dude, mm-hmm. the headmaster, shows sketches for what oh, the costumes I think, no, are going to look like. 
it happens earlier in her classroom, but I think it's I think she's showing them to the students. It's when Timothy has this weird like fantasy sequence and he disappears. And oh, then she calls okay. him back after class. I know the headmaster sees them and she's like, "Oh, I'll I haven't decided what your frock is going to be next." Ha ha ha, like to the headmaster and he like kind of yeah. squeeze a bit. Whatever. <laughs> like, Ooh. Anyway, so um the thing that made me mad was she has sketches, di- is the point, you, yeah. Were you directed to make these wings? <laughs> were you given a sketch? Because clearly you, there are designs for the costumes. Were you were you told, hey, if if people can make portions of their own costume, can they do it out? Right. Whatever? Were you recruited or are you doing this of your own volition? Because then a little part of me, based off of the conversation that we just had in the car of her being like, you're being gay is my problem. And it's like, upheavaled my life and whatever and then she's cutting up her wedding dress in a very like ceremonial very you know whatever it's it's sort of I was like oh no if he can't use these wings because you were stupid and decided to make a costume piece without talking to someone and he can't use them don't get shit at him oh my god I sacrificed another thing for you it, that didn't happen, guys. No, it's not but what I happens, but, like, oh, but that no. is a really fair point. Because, like, <laughs> there, I mean, sh- like, Tebbit has designs and, like, shows us sketches. Like, we make a point of it earlier in the film. So that, <laughs> and then for mom to just mom... build them of her own of her own volition is, yeah. like, a dangerous step. But yeah. but I think, I think what the scene is meant to be is sort of a nonverbal apology to Timothy. To be like, sorry I blamed you because our marriage fell apart. It wasn't your fault. Right. And here's my way of apologizing. And it's like interesting because the thing that you, you had know. talked about in the beginning part of like the 20th century da, 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 of some of this marriage stuff is, do you let go of your kid to save your marriage? And this well, is exactly. an example of this, of like she kept her kid and let go of the marriage. Exactly. You can see these, these critiques of Shakespeare in the 20th century reflected often here. Mm-hmm. In like Nora and, and her an husband and, and yeah, and their marriage, you know, Timothy's parents' marriage breaking up and yeah, you see it you see it a pretty well mixed in here. Which yeah. I love. Yeah. I love that. Another quick scene happens. Um they are in gym class playing basketball oh. and Timothy takes a shot and um this is why this little scene looks important. Jonathan uh, smacks his ass, but doesn't just like good game open palm smacks. Oh no, he gets like a he gets a, a full handful, a full hand, just like like a smack grab of yeah. Timothy's ass, and is like nice shot. And I'm like this is, and again as a queer kid who had to like I was the <laughs> I was the only out gay student in our graduating class. Yeah, I was, and I was not a virgin when I graduated. <laughs> No. I had to decode queer attention constantly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jonathan wants Timothy's bones bad. Like, he's down bad, bad. And I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> I was like, this is inappropriate. Like, oh, like, yeah. Cover my eyes a little bit. Yeah. Um, And also, uh, then Timothy's like, <laughs> well. And <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he leaves. And just real quick just the costuming he puts these fucking sunglasses on <laughs> that are so early 2000s it yeah. hurt my eyeballs <laughs> i don't know how to describe these um large chunky with like a like a like a teal strip across the top yeah and i don't know what kind 
what kind of sunglasses those are called. Ross would know. Ross would know. He's such a sunglasses nerd. You're right. Um. Anyway, so now we're with mom. And she is selling some creams to some <laughs> church lady. And the church lady is like, oh, you should stay for the church potluck. And she's like, oh, I need to, I need to head home to... Um, finish up fairy wings for my son and she's like oh and she's like yeah he's a he's a fairy in a play and she's like oh that's cool you know whatever and then mom's like yeah and he's a fairy in real life too well now and just like mom, like the stares at the church lady and the church lady is like <laughs> like gets very uncomfortable which i gotta be honest with you i would too even as a queer person, I'd be like, why the fuck did that just happen? Yeah, mom, um, please don't. And, and then the church lady, of course, is like, you know, it's a sin, blah, blah, The Bible blah. says that if a man lies with a man. <laughs> Whatever. And mom and goes full like, dragon mode and, and she's like, like, shut the you, fuck up. She's like, are you going to buy this fucking eye cream or not? And then she, the lady just like shoves it over to her. So a part of me is like, these like... This whole, you have to also come out constantly because your son's gay thing. And boo-hoo me, it's so hard. Is it because you're just like, someone's like, yeah, it's a nice day, isn't it? Yeah. My son's a homosexual. <laughs> like, Is, is that what, what you're doing? Is that what you're doing? Um, because it's no so, wonder your life yeah, has been weirdly hard. Because even Mom, if, if that's your tactic, we need to we need to Because even re-evaluate. as a queer person, I would have been like, why the fuck did you tell me that? <laughs> I didn't need to know. I didn't. I didn't even. I didn't even ask. But again, if you if you pull back, you rewind, and you acknowledge again that this is from 08. <laughs> the, the, I didn't know. It just the takeaway like... of that conversation is is I think mom kind of coming to terms with like being comfortable with her son's sexuality and not right. It's it's rounding back to that conversation they had in the car where like she's kind of coming around to. The fact that it's... Supporting her son. Right. And so she's... Yeah. But this is just like a weird way to do it. No, and I then, agree. of course, she doesn't like make the sale then because... No, of course. You know, whatever. Um, But I just... I'm like, let her pay for it first and then be right, like... Right. Like, let her sign the check, you psychopath. My son's gay. Like, right. I just... You know, whatever. Um... It was just weird. It was weird for me. I, I totally I get that. And again, here. it's because it's because there's 15 years between these conversations. But like, but I think it's meant to be mom kind of like coming around to oh, be supportive yeah, like, yeah, in her no, own way. And my son's, way, and like, too. Yeah, my son's he's, a fairy too. You know, right. Whatever, he's not present the in the room. And like, she's being honest about his identity with like someone she doesn't know. Like, I think it's very meant to be that but mom's was, coming around moment. But it's, it is off-putting. <laughs> Right, it's not like it's not like she was like, "Oh, does he have a girlfriend?" or you know, whatever. And she's right, it's like, not like no, she got cornered gay. into the conversation. You know, like, it was just like, "I'm making fairy wings for my fairy son." Like, I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Anyway, um, all right, now back at school, Timothy shows up to his locker, and it has the F slur spray painted across the locker. Yeah. Which in this moment, I'm like, oh, I could have seen this coming, right? Sure. Especially for a film in 2008. Of course. That's the thing that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, except the thing that caught me off guard about the moment <laughs> is that it looks like it's spray painted across two lockers. And I was like, oh my God, is Jonathan's locker there? Are people uh, starting uh, to <laughs> notice the gayness? Like what's happening? No, it's a double, like a dual doored, double-sided locker. Yeah, like French doors style locker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know. That was some weird thing that like bougie. Up. I was like, okay, bougie, bougie weird, lockers. Um, I mean, we've seen them, and we when we used to go on. Uh, I genuinely don't to recall. competitions and things at other other schools across the state. Like we've seen. This is the only I never never clocked that before. Okay. This literally caught me so off guard. The F slur across locker didn't. The fact <laughs> that this was a French door double locker thing did. Have you ever heard Ross's story about that? Yes. He had he had that slur etched into his locker in high school. Yeah. So this is and this was when Ross was in high school was was like oh eight. Yeah. So like this in 08, this isn't like was our freshman year. Right. This would have been school. Ross's either sophomore or junior year. Yeah. We were two years apart in high school. So so this is like not hyperbole. This is not a plot point for the sake of the story. Like this happened to people in 08. Yeah. This was a a in, fairly common occurrence. Right, like in public high schools, it. like So this isn't some like, oh, they did this to be extra. No, this is genuinely a thing. Right, that would like happen. this is real life. Yeah. Um so Timothy obviously was like, Okay, fucking enough is enough. Gotta bus, take action, what's up? Busts out to the rugby field and goes up to them and is like, Which one of you did this? Uh and then he starts a fight with one guy. That didn't own up to it probably was the one who did it because he seems to be the lead one. That's yeah, there's like, one of them who pretty consistently in like all the little snippets is like the rugby player who instigates shit. You're an F-slur. Yeah, you're he's always queer, the one to like you're gay. start the snickering or like right. start whisper something to somebody else. Like he's um, always the one. And uh, so they start to tussle. Um, these two girls, which one of them is Jonathan's girlfriend and the other is Jonathan's girlfriend's girlfriend's, girlfriend. The one who like, (laughs) I'm like, oh my God. She's so into her. I just, listen, as a queer lady, I'm like. No, again. Which those two never talked about, but I know for a fact, gay is, gay as hell. Constantly decoding queer behavior in this movie at all times. Um, as someone who would be at sleepovers and be like, yeah, if, um, I was gay, I'd date you. Yeah. Wow, your boobs look great. These girls have had those conversations fully. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Jonathan stops the fight and is like, he's not worth it. Yeah. Don't do the thing. Well, he like pulls Timothy away and is like, get out of here. Yeah. He's trying to protect his boyfriend. Right. Like, like, get the fuck out of here. Um, Why are you instigating shit with these boys who will very obviously beat the shit out of you? Right. Get out of here. Right. So Timothy heads home um, and is looking through his script, the book. Right. In times of trouble, we turn to Billy. Yes. <laughs> um, Timothy goes right on ahead and does witchcraft. Uh, fully. It's fully. I was watching it and I was like, I've done this. Like, yeah, this is witchcraft. He's like, he pulls down a metal bowl and then he's got like certain like spices and herbs that he throws right. in. And then there's and like flowers and he like he's lights doing a match is, and throws it in. He's reading from the text of yeah. A Midsummer Night's Dream and understanding like how they enchant the flower that like the crosses the lovers. Yeah. The thing. yeah. And he's like, well, it worked for them. It'll work for me. And just like starts doing witchcraft. Yeah. Just like starts, ch- but he doesn't, again, it's one of those things where like, he doesn't say anything. He just like grabs it, starts chucking shit into a bowl <laughs> and then just like blows on it a lot. And he's like, Oh, this isn't doing a thing. What the heck? And then he like opens a thing and, all of the words seem to disappear except for one, and it just says sing. And then he flips it, and then there's words again. That's, like, supposed to enchant the thing, do mm-hmm. the thing, 
create the flower. Yeah. Um, so he starts uh, singing at his bowl. Which again, I've done this, so I'm not trying to make fun of it. But sometimes, no, but it's it's but funny. Sometimes you're like looking at it, and you're like, "This looks silly." This is silly, and it's you know? it's only weird in this moment because up to this point, it has been very like after school, specially like acting, right? And then all at once, we take a hard laughter, and we're like, "And we're yeah. doing magic now." Yeah. Um, and so- and it gets very musical theory theatery. Yeah. Very quickly here. Yeah. Um, also, if you are not familiar with A Midsummer Night's Dream, none of this will make a <laughs> lick of fucking sense to you. No, it really won't. I was trying really hard to like remember. I haven't read this shit since like oh, sophomore year of high it's school. It's one of the only Shakespeare texts I still have like a copy of because I right. love this place so much. And so I'm sitting here and I'm like, fuck, remember, remember, remember who's who, what the fuck happens. Like, cause I'm trying to piece it with this movie. Yeah. Which is, if you don't, I mean, even if you do know, lost. it's so confusing because yeah. there's so many characters and their names are all so close to each other. And like, it all moves so quickly. And there's like a million subplots in this movie. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot. So we get really like the first full number and it's yeah. We're the World Mine. Yeah, it's um, the title track, which I love. And kind of what ends up happening is he starts singing to this bowl in real life. His mind's eye kind of shifts. And then it's um, we see the rugby players dancing again. Another little rugby ballet. Um, they do a lot like of ballet. Wings, <laughs> shirtless, but with like knee-length shorts. Yeah. Um. And they're, like, dancing around, and it's very, like, early 2000s club dance. It's almost go-go boy dancing. It is. It's very, very close to that. Um, And then there's, like, uh, a foot ballet thing that oh, I was like, I didn't ballet. need this. And there's, like, rugby balls in between the feet, and they're, like, rolling them around. Didn't need it. The shot is weird, though, because um, Timothy is, like, standing behind, and at certain points, the feet are completely covering his face. Yeah, it's sort of like a like a layered image where, like, you can tell that they were put together in post. I didn't like it. That's I, That specific I think chunk of it was, like... A lot of the musical numbers tend to lean really hard into this, like, magic surrealism type of vibe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably meant, like, what the cinematography here is meant to give us, but... It is a muddled picture. Yeah. Um, and like... I do love the falsetto we get in this number. I think it's very beautiful campy. Beautiful voices. Very I like fun. The, I like the kind of elevating past normalcy. Jonathan for the is first here time. in a bed of flowers. Oh. Um, gay, and gay, gay, gay. Yeah. And then uh, they like sing and they've got matching eye makeup. I hate the eye makeup. This like swirl thing that happens <laughs> the metallic like, around thingy. their eye, like hate it. up, you know, up into the hairline kind of thing. Um, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're gay," and like rubbing foreheads. You know that thing of like, we're so close to kissing, but we're not going to. So we're gonna touch foreheads and like kind of like move our faces around. The a bit sexual like tension. And the fairies are just fucking getting it in the back. They're just like, yeah, woo, yeah, woo. <laughs> um. That is the most elegant dancing I've seen you do in years. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then, like, he w- awakes or whatever comes out of whatever musical trance thing <laughs> that happens. And, oh, my God, he's got a squirting pansy flower. 
flower that's coming in people's eyes. All right. <laughs> it's a pansy flower. It genuinely like squirts yeah. water a bit. Squirting pansy was my nickname in college. Oh my God. <laughs> Your mother listens to this podcast. No, that's all right. She's really behind. So she won't hear this for a couple of months. All right. Do you like that's later Drake's problem? Anyway. Um, so Max comes over and is going to help him out with his lines and stuff. And he's like, oh my God, what's that? And he accidentally squirts Max in the eyes with this flower. Yeah. And then Max is like, ugh, I want right, to fuck you. Right, because the way the magic works, canonically in Mr. My Night's Dream and as well here, is that when you are enchanted by the pansy flower, the next person that you lay eyes on, you fall madly in love with. Mm-hmm. So for Max, that's Timothy. And Max, like, starts taking off his shirt and is like, what if we fuck right now? He gets real hot and heavy really fast. He's like, I am hopelessly, endlessly in love with you and I will do anything to please you. Yeah. And it's very sexual forward leaning. Oh, very. And Timothy's like, um... No, you're in love with Frankie. You're in love with Frankie. Stop doing this. He's very obviously he's like, tempted, though. I'm in though. love with you. Like <sighs> Max is standing there shirtless, and like he is admittedly in pretty good shape. And Timothy is like, ho 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 ho. No, no, no. We can't. Like, like I would no. love to. I would really oh like God, to. Yeah, you're so incredibly hot. But like we, that would be a terrible decision for the people around me emotionally. Also, this isn't what consent looks like. This is where this is not what we're doing. We have to be done. Right. Um, so he's like, no, we're not doing this. And he's like, oh, but what if we did? And no. Um, and then they get like this, they get really close to doing things in a closet, which is very funny to me that they were in his closet. Um, yeah. <clears throat> for this part specifically. Quick, back in the closet. And like, the mom like comes home. Timothy hears her and is like, you stay right fucking there, Max. Goes out and is like, hey, mom, we're going to work on stuff. Um, I'll look at the wings and stuff later. Cool. Thank you so much. Stay the fuck out of my room. Don't come up here. And instead what she does is she like busts down the door and is like, hey, look at these cool fucking wings. Oh, my God. <laughs> my son is about to get yanked off by his best friend. Because <laughs> Max is like got timothy pinned against a wall like all up in his business and timothy's like no 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 and timothy is like uh no Uh." it occurs to me now just in this moment that that's actually probably the first like sexual male attention that timothy's ever received yeah like genuine like outwardly not right coded not like in public around other people so right like this is the first like private intimate moment he's ever had with another guy yeah I hadn't even thought of that until literally right now. Yeah. So, of course, Rough. he's like... And his mom interrupts it. Yeah. Rough. Casual. Uh, and she's like... Woo! Getting caught by As your mom with a guy is the worst experience. any kind of thing would have done. Yeah, of course. I mean... She's like, oh my fucking God, what the hell? I think that's a pretty universal, like, teenage experience, not like a queer experience. Getting yeah, caught by just... your parents is like... The worst. Getting caught by damn near anybody is the worst. It is. I just, a parent is terrible, terrible, but like. I mean, yeah, I mean, we've, well, maybe we're outliers, but like, we got caught by our friends all the time. Yeah. But that's because we were always making out with each other. Yeah, that's whatever. <laughs> um, so, mom comes in, sees, freaks out, rightfully so. Uh, they're back at school now, and everyone is very homosexual, right? 
And he also kept saying the line. What's the line? What's the line? Uh, put a girdle around the world for 40 hours or something. Yeah. In 40 minutes, I think it is. Oh, 40 minutes. Okay. I thought it was 40 hours. Anyway. And so like he kept repeating that. And I was like, oh, is he trying to figure out how long this is supposed to last? Put a girdle. And we never, we never know. We don't really circle back to it. I'm sure it has no. meaning if you look at like but analyses he, he just of, the, of the line. But he so hard into it multiple times. I was like, oh, maybe he's going to go ask Miss um, Tibbet, like, hey, you know what this means. What the fuck does this mean? Sure. Oh, so no, like, I did a thing advice. that I need to reverse. Um, Timothy and his mom have a moment, like, after she catches him and, and Max, and, mm-hmm. like, before he leaves for the school, where they're, like, again, pretty snippy with each other. And I just really love, like, the broken relationship that they share. And, like, I, 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 when do they have the scene? There's a scene somewhere where, uh, oh, I think I think it's right here, actually, where Timothy sneaks out of the house after dark and goes to, uh, to Frankie's house. And he's like, listen, yeah. I made a mistake, but I'm going to fix it. Yeah. It's this moment. And then he comes back and, like, sneaks back into his house and his mom is waiting for him, like, on his bed. And she doesn't yell. She doesn't, like, freak out. She's just like, I couldn't sleep either. And she knew he had snuck out. And they, like, have this really tender moment where she's, like, genuinely concerned for him. And uh, I just I just really like their dysfunctional kind of broken relationship that they're... Because, again, like, adults are just people. And I know that's really hard to acknowledge when you're, like, a kid. But parents are just people who are doing their best. And I love this moment of them with their like their broken little relationship as they're trying to find their place together as a family again. And she has the parenting moment as she leaves and she's like, you know, she like puts him back in bed and like soothes him and is like, I hope everything's okay. Don't run away in the middle of the night again. Yeah, you gotta let me know where you're going, kid. Yeah. I love that parenting moment. I love it's just so sweet and like I just really like their relationship, even though it's broken as fuck. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's sweet. Yeah. So So then the next day, he's at school. And they're doing rehearsal. He's got the pansy flower. Um, And he's, like, wearing his wings, and he's got the flower, and so yeah. he's, like, and he's the only one in any pieces of costume at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, And then this one kid, like, calls him the F-slur under his breath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And says it a couple times, and he's like, oh... Like, the this brought his own prop. Yeah. Props and blah, 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 whatever. And, like, squirts. Then he's, like, because he's just going to squirt Jonathan in the eyes. And then he decides. Timothy's, like, you know what? Fuck it. thing back with Uh, Max and him. I'm, like, okay, so you're going to make this guy fall in love with you. But then. Then what? Then what? girl that's not how so, that works and then he like gets mad and is like ah fuck it and squirts this other this guy that's being a super awfully homophobic at him um in the eyeballs and then squirts the all like all of he the gets guys the whole cast and then they all look at each other and they all start making out on stage and miss tebbit's just standing in the wings like <laughs> she totally knows and especially in this moment i'm like 
I had my suspicions, and I'm like, oh, she's a fairy. Oh, she, she's she's a magic like, lady. The fae. That's not, that's not, fae behavior, ma'am. That is, yeah. Um, Chaos and mischief at other people's expense. Teehee. That's fae behavior. Um. Anyway, so everyone's on stage making out. And the gay chemical warfare, the rub, <laughs> rugby coach comes in and is like, what the fuck? This is disgusting. And he gets him in the eyeball. And I was so petrified for a moment that he was going to open his eyes and see a student. I, I know, was like, I, know I know, happen. I know, I know. I was no, like, no, no, no wait, no, no, stop. No, 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 but he like but falls okay. out the door and then he sees the headmaster involved. <laughs> falls <laughs> the headmaster. Um, now I wanted coach dead, but I will say that. Gay coach is also good. Right. We're going to make the same point here that we would have if he had gotten retribution via death. What I really want is retribution from him. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, they're all gay, homosexuality abound. Okay? There's more dancing. More, There's more dancing. More rugby ballet. Because now the rugby coach is like, oh, we need to focus on the balance and the... Yeah, yeah, we're honing skills that are necessary for a well-rounded team. And I'm like... You're not. Okay. You're twinkle-toesing. This is... All right, fine. Um, then Jonathan and Timothy are, like, walking down the street, and they bump into his mom and... Nora. And Nora's like, oh my God, you're friends with Jonathan, blah, blah, blah. Like the head, the, the most, um, prestigious kid in this fucking school. Who's like the head rugby player. And she's like, oh, Donna, how lucky you are for your son to be compatriots with our Jonathan. And Jonathan fully stars in his eyes, rainbows up his ass is like, we're not compatriots. We're boyfriends. Just flat out. Just and I was like, I wrote it down so quickly. I was like, oh God, that's such good writing. Yeah. Someone, I'm going to get it tattooed on my body. And then Nora came apart at the seams. Um, oh. And was like, your son's a homosexual? Yeah, like all at once she's suddenly like, like Anita Baker. Like just like, no, what's her name? Anita Bryant. And yeah. I was just like, she's like just freaking the, f- and she's like, Woo! and she just starts spouting off some random shit. And she's like walking down the street. And then we get this really weird shot. There's a couple of really bad camera moments coming up, like kind of back to back. I this am, is one of them. I am very confused at this. We get a shot of her speaking shit, right? Mm -hmm. Then she's not talking anymore, and we only see her hand reach down to undo the clasp on her wedge heel, Mm -hmm. take the shoe off, and then we see her then spouting more shit and just chucks a shoe Mm -hmm. at the mom. It's it's really then we clunky. Get another shot of her like walking away, but we only see her walking away with the wedge heel and the barefoot on the sidewalk. And yeah, I'm like, it's really clunky and kind of poorly handled uh, in like a director sense. Like it's not good cinema. It's clunky and it takes too long. It's gratuitous. It's poorly shot. Yeah, it's very because we don't really follow her all the way down to her. It's just it doesn't make sense, and it could have been done a lot more efficiently and cleanly. Yeah. And then Timothy's like, don't worry, mom, I'll fix this for you. (laughs) Uh, Goes and squirts Nora in the eyeball. And then Nora looks up and sees his mom and is like, Donna. Donna, Donna, Donna. Oh, you're so beautiful. I want to fuck you. (laughs) 
Um, and I'm like, you made it more of a problem for your mom, actually. Um, Nonsense. I'm Homosexuality sure it... fixes everything. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and then there's then they walk away, and there's like a blackout. Yeah. And then we come back out of the blackout. And we're at some something. Or maybe the blackout is right after this scene with, with the, there's like a town hall meeting or something going on. It's, no, it's like a carnival because they're like, oh, there's, and there's like random games, but then there's also, it's in the woods, but also. Oh, oh, the town quorum thing is like at the carnival. Yeah. Okay. All I remember is the blackout comes, comes up at the carnival. Yeah. But it should have been like a crossfade or like a, like a zoom out, zoom in kind of thing, like over the city and back. Like it, it, the blackout is so weird and it also like lasts a couple of seconds in like full pitch black and it didn't need to be that like it's just a weirdly handled i don't know if that's where the intermission's supposed to be maybe and i I don't know if this was a movie the whole time yeah i i was gonna say i didn't follow up i meant to look it up if this was like written for tv but there aren't other places for like commercial breaks and gaps so it would be no, weird this if, wasn't. It'd be weird if this was. Yeah. Um, it's just a weirdly placed blackout, and I, I don't think it helps us in any way or elevates anything. It's just a weird choice. No. Um, so they're at this thing. Um, the rugby coach is supposed to talk. It's something for the school. And the headmaster's like, oh, introducing the the rugby coach, blah, blah, blah. And he comes up and he's like, I love this man. And I think he even kisses him. He kisses him square on the mouth in front of everybody. And he's just like, I'm just, I love love. I'm just so in love with him. And da 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 Sir. And I'm like, that's weird. Um, and then we see Jonathan's girlfriend. Because earlier, when they're in the street, um, after like Nora gets squirted and blah, blah, blah. Jonathan's girlfriend, like, and her friend. Um, girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, pulls up. <laughs> And it's like, oh my god, hey Jonathan, what's going on? And he's oh my like, gosh, we're yeah, not we breezed, in love. We breezed right past that. Yeah. He's like, we're not in love anymore. Fuck you. And she like, I don't know if she uses another F slur here. No, not there. She she uses it again at the carnival. Oh, does she just say queer? Yeah, I think so. She doesn't say something about, like, she says something like a, oh my god, why are you with that queer or yeah, something Yeah, she, she like says that. something derogatory but i don't think it's not the f slur okay because she says it here she does yeah at the carnival she confronts them and she's like what are you doing here with that f slur no but even before that she says it so she says to her friend if he's here with that oh that's what it is i'm going to kill him and to which her friend responds you're way prettier than him. I that said I screamed. You're so in love with her screamed because it was like this is so gay. It's so gay. No one, neither of these two have been squirted with the flower. And I hate that I keep using that, but that's what happens. <laughs> that's what happens. He like, he like squeezes the stem and like water. We can like, say spray. I guess, but it doesn't really. Sp- the action is, is a squirt. Is a squirt. <laughs> um, it poots out some No, stop. <laughs> we can't do this again. Anyway. I don't um, have the strength for another poot. <laughs> um, so I, I'm screaming. Uh, yeah, it's Timothy a, and Jonathan. It's are, almost a confession of love, like right then and there. Yeah, uh, Timothy and Jonathan are in the woods, like overlooking the carnival thing, and he's Timothy's like, I just, 
I just don't want to be in this town anymore. I we, hate like, We don't have to go down there. We don't have to do this. I want to leave. And Jonathan's like, people can change their mind. People can change, you know, da, 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 whatever. And uh, he's like, okay, you know, yeah, well, maybe. And then they look down and they see two rugby dudes just like going at it. Yeah, like. Just just making out seconds from ripping their clothes off. Yeah, and they're like in front of everybody. tearing at each other. And I'm like. That's a lot for a carnival. <laughs> <laughs> Although. What if you didn't? Coming from people who had a, a, a regular carnival in our small town. We've seen the like. I didn't need it. I, don't, I didn't need it then. I don't, <laughs> I need, don't need it, it now. <laughs> um, so. Jonathan like. And then they make out a bit and whatever. And. He's like, okay, well, maybe I can change people. And he seems to have this thought of. I'm going to squirt everybody <laughs> Stop. But he asks like how many do it up until this point. And I how many people kidding. are there in this town? And like 10,000. Yeah. Jonathan says 10,000 maybe. Instantly I'm just flashback to Reedsburg, Wisconsin, which in about 2008 when this movie came out was just about at 10,000. And that's yeah. where we grew up, went to high school, was ultra conservative, was like the Republican chair of the County. Yeah. For like a long time. Yeah. Um, so, like, I am just imagining this happening. At Butterfest? In, at Butterfest in Reedsburg, <laughs> and I'm just, like, upset. That's right. Our hometown had a Butter Festival. That's right. That's right. Because at some point, somewhere in our town's history, we were the butter capital of the state. In the 70s. In the 70s? 70s? 70, it lasted for quite a while, but that's okay, when Okay, I was going to say, like, that was 50 years ago. How long have we not been the butter capital? Yeah. A minute? <laughs> of the state, and frankly, of the nation then. Because I was going to say, if we, were Wisconsin, if we were Wisconsin's butter capital, we were probably the butter capital of, like... We were. A much larger area. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but we're not anymore. We make, like, like truck seats. And, like... We still make a lot of cheese. We do still make a lot of cheese, because we have some butter. Pluto. And foremost. Yeah. Um, what's, what does Grady's make? Grady's is metal parts. None of you give a shit about this. I don't cut this out. What are we doing no, here? No, literally all of our listeners are locals. Like everybody here knows exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> no, there's plenty of people that are not over. Like <laughs> anyway, anyway. So this one's for the hometown crowd. <laughs> um. So. But yes, then Timothy's he's like, like, I'm gonna spray ten thousand people. I could make them all gay. Just you fucking watch. I got a um, lot of people to find. So they head down to the carnival, and Jonathan's girlfriend is like, "Oh my god, it's the F slurs." Yeah, and this was where I was like, "We've actually used the slur enough times. I think we're actually too many. It's really we rolling need to off be the done. tongue of people. That's enough slurs. I think. I think you know you're allowed maybe like one to make a point in a gay film." Maybe two, if it's not the same person, to show that it's more than one person in the sure. community that sure. is openly using this. But then you do have to make a point with it, and you can't just use it liberally because you're like queer artists making queer art, so you like feel that you're allowed to use the word. And like oh. we are allowed to reclaim the word in whatever fashion we'd like. I'm not saying was, was not to do all that, over but the place. like, and I was like, wow, this is just we maybe wow. lay it on a all little right. thick here, and I think we could have walked a couple of them back. Is all, yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then Frankie is here because Frankie and Max show up. They never use homo. No, it's always the as, F a, slur. as a derogatory. <laughs> Cause when we were in high school, homo yeah. or mo was a thing that happened yeah. 
way more verbally out loud at people than yeah, the F slur. For sure. Not that the F slur was never said, because that's just false. But of course not. But like homo and mo were used way, way more, more often. often. I don't know. Whatever. But these were adults writing it, and yeah. So, so maybe you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's like there. when people try to try to talk like text like millennials mm-hmm. or like Gen Z on film, and you're like, no Boomer. one consulted a Gen Z person. <laughs> Boomers trying to write Gen Z dialogue. Boomers, Gen Xers trying to write. Yeah, always the cringiest. Yeah. Anyway, Max and Frankie are there, and Max is of course all up in Timothy's grill and being and like... And Frankie is pissed and is like, what did you do to my boyfriend? Because now they're dating somehow. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, we, I think maybe we kind of glossed over it earlier, but like, they're a couple. Because they like see... Max seem to really like Frankie and... Sure, they're definitely into each other when like the three of them are hanging out earlier in the movie. But, but they're, now all of a sudden, they're, they're not boyfriend, like, girlfriend. Yeah, now they're a couple. Yeah. Which we have um, established. Yeah. So Frankie's like, what's going on? Why is he not into me anymore? Why is he into you? Like, what's what happening? Happened? You said that something happened. What did you do to him? Right. Um, and that you were going to fix it. The fuck. And uh, he ends up spraying the two girls, Jonathan's girlfriend and her girlfriend yeah um and then <laughs> and they are he's thinking that they're going to look at each other but then they accidentally psych. look and look at frankie and then they're really into frankie yeah and so she's team frankie so those two <laughs> girls are coming at her max is coming at timothy frankie is freaking out and trying to pull max away she punches timothy because she's like fuck you i don't know what happened i don't know what you just did but i'm upset with you i don't know if it's a punch or a slap something she smacks him in the she, face somehow. she hits Timothy in the face and it, it's it's only confusing because we don't see it really clearly like it's shot from like almost like like a low angle like up at them and like Timothy's covering like his shoulder covers most of the shot and like it's not a clear camera angle no and a, a part of that might be like you just didn't have a clear enough shot from other angles to like fake the snap and to get like the sound effect in there so that it looked realistic and like this was just like the shot that worked for you to get the point across. I but didn't it, like it. But it didn't get the point across. No. You know, like it's um, it's just a shitty camera angle and a shitty shot. Yeah. And then Miss Tebbit uh, comes out of the wall and just says, have we had our fun yet? She's so clearly like, not a human oh person. Oh my Christ. Okay. <laughs> um, and so this is the point in the movie where I'm thinking, okay, tensions have built. He tried to do a thing. He's losing friends over it. He is making, like, things are being made a mess of. Now he's going to shift some things. Just fucking kidding. He doubles down just and goes fu- in. Just fucking kidding. Mine, did you see the... Kidding. Will you just leave me alone? <laughs> anyway. Um, so he's like, all right, cool. I'm going to go right on ahead and make everybody gay Um, with this pansy flower. He straps on his wings that his mother made him and rides his bike <laughs> down the street. Yeah. And we get the numbers that starting that I didn't realize had started until much later because the, the first like minute of it is like underscoring. Like it's an ooze. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the course of true love, which is of course dialogue yanked from the source material. Again, Yeah. So the course um, of true love never did run smooth, which is from a midsummer. And uh, this song, first of all, it becomes like a really long montage. Yeah. 
Also, it's too campy for me to take seriously. It's a lot. Like, it's so unnecessarily... it just keeps going. It's so long. And we get, like, this mishmash of, like... I kind of assumed that Timothy was going to go, like, find a water source to, like... I thought he was going to poison the water supply and then move on from it. Right. Because I think at one point we even get, like, he stops and looks up at the water tower. Like, I think we even get a shot of a water tower in this whole sequence. Yeah. And then he, like, stops at the fire department. And then we see him stop in front of a church and, like, stare at it. Right. And we see him stop in front of a bar and stare at it. But what's happening is he's just, like, individually squirting every person who lives in town. Just a bunch of people. Like, one at a time. Yeah. And it would have been, this would have been maybe a little bit more believable if it would have been like a town of like 500, yeah, (laughs) or something. Not 10,000 people. He didn't genuinely get everybody. No, no. But I'm like, in order for it to make as big of an impact as we see later, I'm like, you would have needed to do a lot more people. Yeah, so so that's a little bit of an inconsistent writing moment. But anyway. There's also like, we get a ton of stuff like, Nora is pining for Donna and like pounding on her door and like can't get to mom. And then, and, uh, and then Nora is like back home heartbroken and locks her husband, the headmaster of the school. Right. Out. And we see like moments with coach pining after the headmaster and, 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 uh, uh Max two and random rugby dudes, just shirtless, like rolling around. But it's the reason it's weird is because the only things that we can see in the scene are the two of them. And then everything else around them is just like pitch black. Yeah. Yeah. There's like an isolated, like almost like a, like a high art concept moment with these two people. It reminds me of like certain uh, music videos. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Very much that. Yeah. Um, where again, we're like kind of playing outside of reality. Yep. And then like Max and, uh, and Jonathan have this epic fight scene that we keep cutting back and forth to. And like, we don't really see anything happen except random swings. Well, exactly. Like it looks a lot like a, like they were like, Hey, you guys are going to have a fight, but we didn't hire a fight choreographer. So if you guys could just fake it, that'd be swell. And we're going to cut in and out to all of these different things and back to this fight thing. We're not going to show who won either. So I hope that's fine. Which by the way, this entire time I'm like, oh, is this going to get to the point where the stakes are that like Max and Jonathan are going to fight until someone is like hospitalized or someone dies or something. Right, right, right. And that's going to be the shift of like, Oh my God, I went way too far with this. I need to go. Right. And Is that going to be Timothy's thing? catalyst? So, right. so the number ends and Timothy comes and finds Max on a staircase. He's been defeated. And, and by the way, there's blood on his shirt. We don't know where Jonathan is. There is a line, though, that Max Max says something about, like... Um, oh, he couldn't beat him or something. Yeah, he says it in, in prose. It's it's a line taken from A Midsummer where he says, like, all this blood is mine, essentially. Oh, okay. And it's it's a reference back to, back to the source material. But um, then Timothy tells Max, like, I don't love you. And Max is clearly heartbroken, like and he's devastated. Like, My heart belongs to Jonathan, and he's like, "What the fuck?" Then I have no heart. And, and again, we're, these are lines from the from the play, so we're having this kind of moment with the dialogue, and and the stories are kind of converging towards the end here. Mm-hmm. I was super worried that like Max would come away from this conversation and like do something drastic. Like I was worried he was going to hurt himself or something and that would be the catalyst for Timothy. And I was like, and then that was my next thought when I was like, Oh my God, if he hurts himself, I will lose my cool. Like I will sob. Yeah. Um, so he's like, okay, well fine, whatever. Just a 
Flash update everybody. He doesn't. No, spoiler alert. He doesn't hurt himself, which is... He's fine. Jonathan's fine. Everybody's fine. Yeah. I just need to put that out there right now before I forget to be like, hey, that nothing happened in that regard. Which again is like like another missed opportunity. Like, what do you mean nothing happened? Why did they... Why was that song five minutes long if nothing happened? (laughs) It was so much. It Um, is a really pretty song and a a wonderful... pretty. A wonderful use of the language that we have to play with, but like we could have done something with it and that probably would have been fine. So So, anywho, next next morning. uh, Mom is kind of bebopping around the kitchen and making things. In the background, we hear a newscaster talking about that the mayor is going to leave his wife. I had to rewind so that we could hear what was happening. Yeah, because it all kind of happens in snippets on like various TVs and radios. And it's like background noise, but it's an important section of things that are happening. Right. So the mayor is leaving his wife, um, and he's decided that they're in his town, that the laws regarding marriage are dumb. We're 86ing that. Anybody who is in love. Anybody who's in love can, can get, get a, marriage a marriage license today. Yeah. And and again, this was 15 years ago. This was 2008. Marriage equality hadn't happened yet. No. This was a huge battle that we were fighting. This was a huge conversation we were having. And so, of course, for a queer coming of age film in 2008 where a town turns gay, like, of course you have to mention it. Right. And a, a part of me wishes that it was clearer and more focal. Right, like something like, a, oh, the mayor left his wife and and these laws he doesn't agree with anymore. And then someone be like, oh, what was that? And like turn up the volume and pay attention to what was mm-hmm, happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. But um, at the same time, so much of the conversation we were having was about that at the time. Right. So for it to be included but not be a focal point almost makes more sense narratively according to the decisions we've already made right so Um, there is a line at the end though where the the lady on the news is interviewing a lesbian couple and she says aren't aren't you worried that your marriage will degrade family values yeah what about family values and the woman she's interviewing who is actually the church lady the church lady that was like that mom was trying to sell things to earlier and she's like we have families we have values why don't we deserve to have uh, marriages and I just think yeah. that line is so so important to me and I know it's like a really fast quick thing but one of the no, things but that was great dialogue I, it, it mm-hmm. is and one of the things we have to think about when we make queer art are like what what is we what are the things that we're normalizing mm-hmm. in the background in the peripheral the things that can be made assumptively because those are the things that like we can make a point with our queer art, but it's all those little things that create a fabric of normalcy around them right. that kind of move progress forward. And so I, I just really love that we included it here. And and again, like at the time, it was so important and almost groundbreaking to be like committing a film segment like this to a movie. Right. So I really love that. And I, I'm glad it's here. Jury's still out, I think, on whether or not I wish it was more focal or, like, if I think that this was the appropriate choice. I think the only reason that I wish it was more focal was because then... Okay, so here's the thing that happens, right? There's a few seconds That's this is the most ridiculous scene of my whole life. Um, we just get a shot of the English teacher sitting on a bench in a park facing water, and she, like, just was wearing sunglasses, just hanging out. There's not, she doesn't hear this playing in the background. She doesn't anything. She's just sitting alone at a park and then she just like open mouth smiles. (laughs) 
And that's it. Yeah, could have done with like maybe she has a portable radio or something. Like we had or portable like, radios in two thousand eight. Like could she have been listening some, to the radio like, in the park? Or like someone was like, "Oh, did you hear that thing on the news about how they're did it?" Right, she's someone like, walking oh, my past. Working. Right, you know something. Because that's the sentiment of those more... of those few moments is like giving her more omnipotence. Right, but it just was absolutely weird because there was <laughs> nothing she didn't hear weird it. with it. I agree. Um. Anyway, so what happens next is the mom is like where's Timothy? And then she's like, because she sees that something's happening on the news and is like, this is kind of weird. She starts connecting dots. Right. And she's like, where's my son? Um, and then she starts driving around. Like Frankie comes over and is like, what the fuck's going on? They're driving or she picks up Frankie. Later. Yeah. Yeah. She runs into her okay, in, the, on in the, street. the street. So they're like going around town and they're like, Oh my God. Everybody's Look gay. At all of these homosexuals. <laughs> Everybody's all gay. Of these people that were what not the homosexuals fuck happened? yesterday are homosexuals today. Speaking of homosexuals, Nora shows up in a car behind, like tailgating on and like, on mom. Donna, oh my god! And like parks are. Donna, I up. found you. And they're like, she's gushing at her, and then the two the two high school girls come up, and it's like Frankie. Blah, blah, blah. And, and they, they like away. mob the car, and mom and Frankie are like, we gotta we gotta we get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Um, there's a random mom that shows up to the head, to the school and the headmaster's there who slept in his office with the coach pining outside the door, just sobbing. Yeah, yeah. And he comes out and he's going to leave. And this mom is like, my son is gay now. I think it's the English teacher's fault. What are you going to do about it? And he's like, my wife literally locked me out of my fucking house last night. I got a bigger fish to fry. <laughs> I don't know. What are you going to do about it? It's your kid. Yeah. Go you figure it out. I'm a little busy. Um, then uh, m- mom and Frankie show back up at her house and are like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. The English teacher magically appears at the door and is like, Hi, I need you guys to come to the school for a meeting. Come with me and come all will be well. Me. It'll be great. Also, Frankie, don't forget that you're going to be playing the last song of the play and we need you to bring your guitar right. because otherwise she, things can't wrap up. She sort of has this very like business as usual vibe about her. She's like, oh good, you're home. Well, do get in the car and come with me like we planned. Also, Frankie, you're still ready to play your song, right? I do need that song because the show is tonight. So come along. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what in the fuck? Okay. Um, they're at the school. There's a meeting happening. And this is very like... Torch and pitchfork! Yeah, but in like a way that to me, the acting didn't feel sincere. No, 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 of course not. Um, there's like Do you remember that show, guy- A Thousand Ways to Die? Or Sex Sent Me to the ER? Do you remember yes. those? Like the epitome of Midwestern, like, like living room theater? Yeah. It's that. It's that fully. It's that's that it. vibe. That's it. Yeah. Because the like, there's this one dad that is like, my I caught my son and his best friend rolling around in bed, cuddling, shirtless, kissing. And I taught them and a I lesson. I taught them a lesson. Sir, did you just admit to beating your child in front of the township? With his son there. That's Girl, like, what the fuck? Yeah, but I'm in love. He's like, He's, the fuck you Russ are. Russ is a great guy. <laughs> Um, Shut your fucking mouth. And like it's random people just, and it's weird as all fucking get out. It's just the acting. Yeah, the acting like, is cheesy and corny and canned. Yeah. Um, you can tell there's not a lot of equity cards in the room. 
<laughs> so the teacher shows up. The English teacher, Miss Tebbett, shows up and is like, because they're like, we're canceling the play. We're not doing this anymore. This is all your fault. And she's right. Just the like, crowd kind of reaches an uproar point where, like, they're like, "You have to do something." And the headmaster's like, "I will. I uh, I'm canceling the show. You're fired. Show's canceled. Fuck all this." Yeah, and the parent Hopefully like that'll make everybody hetero again. We reach a sort of summit in the in the energy of the of the crowd. And then Miss Tebbett just goes in front of everybody. Puts out her arms like she's casting a spell. She doesn't even get all the way in front of people. She just, she just standing in the back of the room well, and she, she walks to the back to of the crowd. And then she's like, she's like, the show will go on. <laughs> and everything will be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's again, it's very she's like, like, she's Ooh. very like, thank you all for coming to this meeting. The show starts at seven. I'll see you there. Everyone and then just be there. drifts into the mist. Like, <laughs> and then she like gets like heads backwards and starts talking to mom and Frankie. And she's like, okay, that's going to hold them for a while, but we need this show to happen. So we got to find Timothy. We need to find Timothy. So obviously she literally just did some sort of fame magic or something. She's to, like, so powerful too. Whatever. Because again, the crowd like crests, like they're, they're mm-hmm. ready to like right. mob the town square. And she just takes a few steps forward and raises her arms. And then everyone goes quiet. It, it, it's like, mm-hmm. she's so powerful. So, um, <laughs> She's like, oh, we need to figure out where they're at. Ah, oh, I think I know. They're, the boys are being gayed down by the river. Where else would they be? I guess. <laughs> um, and That's where I do all my best gaying. Well, there you go. Um, and we get the number, all things shall be peace. So it seems like she is coming to him, to Timothy, Miss Tebbett is. And I was like, hey, in this song. Mm-hmm. And now, like, you did the thing. Mm-hmm. We got to reverse it now. Right. It's time to deal with the consequences, honey. And so I'm like, oh, this is another dream thing or like another like weird surreal Fantasy thing Fantasy moment that because, yeah, because that's that what the magic then, does. Right. Well, that then immediately lead into other action. It doesn't. Turns out this is a dream sequence. Yeah. And she's come to Timothy in a dream on the, on the riverbank. And she's like, here are these flowers. We got to fix shit. You better use these ones instead. And it's so uh, incredibly stylized because this is the all white number where everyone's in like. Like like whites and silvers. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's very like, it's very like VMA's red carpet, like Ashley Tisdale's closet kind of vibe. Yeah. It's very specifically 2008 and it's very specifically stylized. And you can tell, like, the last, like, 20 minutes here of this movie, the costume designer was like, I have a vision! And really, like, went whole hog. <laughs> yeah, fully. This is absolutely, uh, a, a, it's a beautiful color story. Like, it's absolutely, they're stunting. Right. So, that was a dream. And we know that because um, his mom wakes him up down by the river as he's laying on this shirtless boy. And she's like, hey, sugar, we got it. You got to get we up. We got to go. We got to go to the school. So they head to the school. And um, the play is actively happening. Yes. Already. We the get the number on. Sleep Sound, um, which is a nice number. A lot of these are just forgettable. Yeah, that's the thing about this score is They're like, kind of, it's not really... Uh, a lot of them don't really drive the plot forward in any kind of meaningful way. They're just incidental songs that happen over the course of the film. Uh, a, couple, a couple of them do. Where the World Mine, I think, does. The Pyramus and Thisbe number coming up, I think, does. 
Uh, oh, oh, course of True Love, I think, kind of moves course us through of, some stuff. Not does. enough, but um, the costumes that they wear on stage too are are really well done. And again, this is flashing back to kind of the the opening of this episode where we talk about like having to use a budget to tell your story appropriately. I think they really lean into like the kind of homemadey, handcrafty kind of aesthetic that is a, a theatrical high school production. Oh God, yeah. Um, and I think it works to With their the favor. With the paper mache tree, right, and, and the, the the unfinished kind of edges on everything. Yep. I think it leans really firmly into that, but you can tell it's a very conscious decision because obviously everybody else wears like real clothes during the course of this movie. Right. It, it's just really well done. Um, I think the costumes rock. One of uh, 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 Jonathan's girlfriend is wearing a Frankie Rocks tank in the audience. It's so funny. That's and, so. And that, it's a very quick thing that you see, but it's. But it's the little the details, right? It's great. You can tell, like, again, like the last like 20 minutes, they were like, oh, we have to costume costume. Yeah. And we're gonna. Um, so plays happening. Timothy as Puck comes out and sings the number sleep sound and uh, rains the potion to fix the thing mm-hmm. starts kind of raining on stage. I and people tell are waking up to like the p- kids on stage are like, "What? Oh, in the I'm being hell? rained on. Rain on stage is one of my worst fears." Why? Do you remember when we did Little Shop and they literally we had a leak in the ceiling? We literally had to leave a bucket on stage. Yeah, that scares me. Oh, just random leaking. This is intentional rain, though. Yeah, but even that, like, like the rain that they use in like uh, uh, the most recent revival of of uh the one with bobby company mm-hmm. or like singing in the rain i think putting rain on stage is really scary is it because of water and a bunch yes of yes 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 it's very scary to me yeah that's valid. one of my worst fears um so rain is coming down they're like oh my god wow cool all right we're awakened to it we're fine um all right, things have been fixed. They all kind of, you can see some like subtle shifting as the boys realize how like physically close they are to each other as they get like splashed in the face. And they're, yeah, like, they're oh, like, oh, okay. We're like, why are we touching? We shouldn't touch. You're really. Oh, we were going to hold hands to bow. Oh, just kidding. Um, We're going to instead high five and smack each other on the back. That's fine. Please, Whatever. please get out of my bubble. Um, The wig that Puck wears. <laughs> The wig that Timothy wears is so fucking bad. And here's what I mean by that. It's not meant to be a good wig. I'm very well aware of that. Sure. Meant to look like a wig on a budget. Right. Fine. Um, But there are certain times where a wig on a budget that's not necessarily supposed to look like actual hair or, you know, whatever. (laughs) There are times where it looks good for that. Mm Mm-hmm. And then there are times where it is skewed and Uh fucked up. And then in literally the next shot, it's fixed again. So that's what irritates me about it. Because I'm like, it shifts too much on this kid's head. There's a moment where it's like right in front of his face. Like it hangs all the way down past his nose on his face and just stays there for like a whole shot. I hate it. It's rough. I hate the whole thing. Rough times. I hate the wig. Anyway, um, so is it... Pyramus? Pyramus. Pyramus and Thisbe. Um, we get that number. I like this song. So Frankie comes out with her band and uh, one of the, I think the one dude in like the foam wig. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's like one of the rugby guys. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I can't really tell, but I think based off of like interactions that happen later, like physical interactions that happen later, Mm -hmm. that he is. Sure. So anyway. Um, And then rain starts pouring in the gym to fix the townspeople. Now, if he got to as many people that were shown in the town (laughs) before on the news, um, when they were driving around town, whatever, that is not all of the people in this gym. No, again, this is like a bit of inconsistent writing where like, he was going to sprinkle the whole town and then like the whole town showed up for the play. But like there are not 10,000 people in this gymnasium right now watching the show. Not so even like, if, even if he only did like a few hundred, that's not how it's many, not what's happening like here. Maybe 80 people in this. Yeah. Audience. Yeah. There's, I mean, they're asking us to suspend our disbelief pretty thoroughly because it's one of those things where you didn't need to pan out to see the whole audience. You could have just like done like, because they did these smaller shots. Mm-hmm. They then chose to do a bigger shot. Mm-hmm. Just keep it with the smaller shots because then it mm-hmm. makes it more believable that everybody in right. town At least up. then we could have assumed that you just weren't showing us everything. But like right. you did. But then, then you did. Not 10,000 people. So. Right. so a little um, bit of inconsistency there. But, but anyway. So it's fixed. Great fun. The town fantastic. is cured. Everyone loves the, the right person again. Um. Like, Max is like, that's my girlfriend to Frankie that's up on stage playing. So yeah. we're like, oh my God, it's fixed. It's working. It's Nora happening. has a moment where she turns to her husband behind her and like they share like a little And they have a moment, moment and, and whatever. Like... Um, so Timothy, the like cool play ends. We're in the dressing rooms. Timothy is sitting there like, oh, life. Oh. And then Jonathan comes in and is like, hey, grabs his shoulder and then goes in to kiss him. Yeah. And he's like, fuck. I got you, though, in the eyeballs. Yeah, yeah. So what the hell happened? I did that myself. Mm-hmm. What's going on? And he's like, no, no, no. I'm awakened. It's me. I feel normal. I just also want to kiss you now. Yay. He's Yay, like, gay. Oh, my God. So cool. Um, Mom is just standing in the background on the stairs watching this all happen, but not really watching it. She's, like, averting her eyes in, like, a, I don't want to watch my child make out with someone way, because why the <laughs> fuck would you want to watch your child make out with someone? Um, I don't know. Weird shot to me, but, um, people generally seem more accepting because like the head douchebag that was calling him the F slur all the time shows up and he's like, Hey, you guys coming to my party tonight? It's going to be wicked cool. Um, come on, you two love birds. And he like leaves. Yeah. So what has essentially happened is that like, Everybody was gay for a second, and now they undid that magic, and now, like, homophobia doesn't exist. Yeah. Is kind of what happened. And I I think the moral of the story at the end of the day is if everyone did, like, just a little gay stuff, you don't have to, like, be gay or come out as gay or, like, live a whole gay life, but, like, if everyone did just, like, a little bit of gay stuff, I think we'd all be better off. Sometimes just being more intimate with just your friends. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Don't even get me started on platonic intimacy. Hey, that's a that's a whole. That's we don't have time podcast. for that TED talk. <laughs> um, so, all of that's a great, gay, wonderful. People are in love again. People are not so homophobic. Um, and then we get the scene. So, you think, okay, blackout Lion King, it's done. And then we get a scene of just, uh, Miss uh, Tibbet. Tibbet. <laughs> I was gonna say Thisbe, and I was like, that's not even. That's not Miss Thisbe. Um, she like breaks the fourth wall looking at the camera on an empty stage, 
handing a flower like towards the camera. So towards the audience and says, um, who's next? Black Roll credits. Whiz bang boom, gay stuff. Let's rate it. There are some writing holes. There's some bad camera shots. We use too many slurs. Three. I think that's high. Well, rate it then. I was going to say two. I could do two. I was going to say two. I really want to give it a 1.5. The score is not good. No, the score is forgettable, um, not memorable. Which Uh, I hate. There are... There's a lot of bad acting. <laughs> There's, in fact, almost the whole thing is bad acting. There's a lot of campy acting. But there are some really good writing moments. But there's good writing moments. Um, and there are some nice design moments. So I think a two. I think a, a two is generous. A one and a half plus. A heavy yeah. one and a half. <laughs> one and a half, I think, is 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 the real kicker here. Shall we give it the bitty test? The BD, the Benny Drake. Pass, fail. Fail. Fail, I think. Fail, and I think the only reason why is because, so we do get a couple nice vocal moments, but the thing that we have to remember is um, the acting. Yeah. Because also, oftentimes the, re- the issues that we have with things isn't the acting. It's usually the singing. Yeah, yeah usually. Um, the ensemble here also doesn't really bring much to the table vocally. It's a lot of, like, go-go dancing boys. And not that I want to shake a stick at that, but it's, it's I don't know. It's, it's, not it's not up to snuff. It's not, it's not it. I'm going to go ahead and say that this cast does not meet a musical theater standard, and I think it's a fail. Yeah. So that's that on that. 1.5 and a fail. Now, with that being said, I do really love this movie. I know you love it, and I'm, I'm honey, I love that you love it. Uh, <laughs> and I won't watch this again. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this is like, not like a not like a shitty I think that if I watched this like back in the day I would have been like, "Oh, wow." I think but if you had coming encountered at it this as like someone who's almost 30 15 years away from this um I just didn't like it. I think if you had encountered this as a teenager, you would have been you would have been more interested in the themes, but oh, because fully. we're so think- far past our initial coming out moments and those transitions in our lives. I think it's also a very like young, queer, hot young boy movie. Right. Like this movie doesn't have a lot of like sapphic content to latch onto. Frankly, I'm seconds from just being a lesbian. Yeah. Um, So I can't imagine that. This is like, I'm like, Oh, I can't imagine that this is something that you would have been like, it doesn't really trip my trigger. Particularly any, interested any, in. Yeah. I mean, what parts of your life do you see really reflected in this? You know what I mean? Right. Um, do you want a fortune cookie? I always want a fortune cookie. Give me okay. a cookie. So, <laughs> give me cookie. Give me cookie. Um, this is a handful of lines from Shakespeare's Sonnet 20, which is commonly acknowledged to have been written to uh, one of his male lovers. Mm. So this oh, is and a, also at one point, Miss Tibbetts like, because someone's like Shakespeare was gay, and she's like, um, he, he was bi, maybe he was bisexual. He wasn't gay. He was bisexual. Yeah, frankly, we and love I, that the bisexual visibility. So uh, the couple of lines I have chosen is a woman's gentle heart, but not acquainted with shifting change, as is false women's fashion. An eye more bright than theirs, 
less false and rolling, gilding the object whereupon it gazeth. Which means I look at you the way uh, the way we look at women. Hashtag gay, gazeth. Yeah, I mean he's he's essentially saying like you know how like gazeth. you know how like we look at women and women look at us. That's how I look at you. Gay. 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 There's a lot of gay content. A lot of his sonnets. People have kind of like picked it apart and been like, this was about his unrequited queer love. Uh, but that one, that one is. Uh, I think there's proof that it was like addressed to another man. Right. Which means that a lot of the um, vagueness around it kind of evaporates because he's very clearly writing to a man about his feelings for that man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, uh, where can they find us? Um, you guys can find us on all things at Backstage Biddies. And you can email us your listener requests um, at backstagebiddies at gmail.com. If you follow us on Podvine, which is a cool thing that I figured out, um, you can go on to certain episodes and you can comment on episodes oh nice i think you can also leave comments on apple podcasts maybe i don't i or maybe don't you can on only apple. maybe That's you can only leave comments on a maybe you can only leave comments on a when you rate it on apple yeah I'm, but I'm this sure. you can go into specific episodes and you can comment on just specific episodes oh nice right so it's like a cool way that you can further interact with us um with your fun opinions and things like that. Right now, I think we've got a few more followers on Podvine, but we want to get up to 10 so that we can be a featured podcast of the week. And where can they find you? Everywhere. Binny Biddy. That's what I got. Where can they find you? You can find me uh, squirting my pansy in the woods. It is Pride Month. (laughs) That's what I'll be doing. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Okay, um, bye. Bye. Outro, and then clip something for the bloopers. Thank you. Love you. Bye.